Gentlemen, the world is in decay, and we need to find the best solution to saving the environment before the human race becomes extinct. The floor is open to any ideas, and no idea is a bad idea. What do you got? I got it. I got it. What if we shrunk people to a few inches tall and moved them to their own personal oasis in order to reduce waste? Okay, I said that no idea was a bad idea, but that might be the dumbest idea I've ever heard. So dumb that we should make a movie about that awful idea called Downsizing and discuss it on today's episode of the I'd Like a Refund podcast. Welcome to today's episode of the I'd Like a Refund podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. Joining me, as always, we've got Cameron here. Cameron, what's going on with you? Hey, what's up, dude? I'm uh, I'm okay. Yeah. All right. What a sell. <laughs> <laughs> Solid sell job by you. Thanks. Um, Joel, of course, joining us too. Joel, how you doing? I am also okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> three for three. Well, you know who I hope is better than okay? We have our guest joining us this week, second guest on the show's history. We have Kevin Barlev joining us. Kevin, how you doing? Well, I'm fantastic. I didn't even know I was only the second. That makes me feel second most special. Whoever the first one should be re- feeling that, really good. So, but. yeah, the fact that you, you didn't know that you were second guest, that, that makes me think you don't listen to the show. Listen, I, there's so many hours in the day, but still not enough. I was listening to the Pixar episode, and that's the only episode I've had the time to listen to. I've been waiting to get on the podcast to finally get into your podcast, so now I'll have the chance to listen to every single podcast you guys have done. Probably yeah. not, though. You know, I, I understand how there's not enough hours in the day because, I mean, you think about it. There's seven days a week. Seven times 24 is a lot. And uh, our podcast is an hour and a half. So, you know. Dude, yeah, it, I know. Don't I, you have to dedicate two hours and 15 minutes to watching Downsizing. In I thought you were going to say two hours and 15 minutes to sleep, in which case I was going to be like, Joel, it's more than that. Please, come on. Joel doesn't sleep. I don't oh, sleep. Okay. Look at me. You're a vampire. But how many how many days are there in summer vacation, though? 104. And school oh. comes along just to end it. What the hell? There it is. But the annual <laughs> problem... With our generation, building a rocket or finding a mommy is finding a good way to spend it. Mm-hmm. Spend what our time? The hundred and four days. Soup is a sick band. I don't know if if they're getting slept on. They're getting slept on. I think. Yeah, nineteen eighty five is a banger of a song. That's oh a great man, song. I did karaoke. Wait, did, hold on, hold on. Time. This might have been like a revelation for me. Did Bowling for Soup do the Phineas and Ferb theme song? Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. They appeared in the Some... freaking show, dude. Come on. I don't. I don't remember that episode. This I remember. Is... Uh, what's her name? I'm embarrassed for was you. Shaka Khan. No <laughs> wonder. Khan was... <laughs> no wonder his movie opinions are crap. Hey, Whoa. Team Thunder Force. Team Thunder Force. Whoa. Okay. Dude, I don't know. From my experiences of listening to the Pixar one, I think Cameron was a little bit out there with his perspectives. But How? Cameron, How? Cameron, I love you, you buddy. I was it's thinking just... about it the other day, and if I was gonna write the perfect Pixar film for Cameron. It would be an animated film uh, starring Zendaya where her Adam- husband punches a wall yep. and then yells at the wall. Don't forget it's a musical. Um, and it's a I musical. thought it was just going to star like a line and a little circle as the two main characters and Cameron will go, it's so inventive. It's yeah. so <laughs> <And> starring, <laughs> uh, wow. Directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. That was... and, and Cameron's like, he did the animation all by himself. <laughs> it was just him the whole time. <laughs> Dude, 
Cameron, I liked Soul as well, so I'm not going to. You guys are mean. Oh, also, Kevin, I know it's your first time on the show and you don't listen too much. Um, we can't make fun of Cameron too much because his parents listen, so we got to be, be careful. Cameron's My parents, parents laugh at it. Hey, they, go, they go, yeah, that's true. You have a gem of a son to Cameron's parents if they're listening to me right now. Like we usually start most of our episodes, Joel has a fun little question for us to kind of get uh get things going here Joel, what do you have to this one's gonna be the most related to a movie that we've ever done but I'm i think i already you know what's your question up. yeah I yeah 100 straight up be. would you guys do this would you do this and, and and kevin we're gonna start with you today so would you go through with this downsizing procedure hell no hell no no and i have a couple reasons and it connects specifically to matt damon's reasoning for doing it which we'll probably get into it but i think this character that matt damon plays who I've already forgotten his name, and I watched it yesterday, uh, is one of the dumbest characters I've ever seen in all of movies. Oh. He's so gullible. It's true. And he literally takes five seconds to decide, oh, this cult of people in Norway or whatever, like, they have the right idea. And, like, it was so idiotic. But mainly just because I don't want to have to, like, go through the whole ordeal of, like, you know, what Kristen Wiig has to go through in the movie. Being of bald like, and being bald missing and like an eyebrow. Shaving my yeah. eyebrows. Yeah, I couldn't do that. Look Cameron? at my hair. Look at it. <laughs> it's quaffed. This yeah. is a good question because obviously when you're watching this movie, you think about it, right? Like that's what you think. Would I do that? You know, I, I think the answer would have to like – because it comes down to what do I want to do in life? I want to work in the film industry. Okay, so what does that mean? If I get small – could I? Could we do small films? Right? Is there going to be a film industry? They're called short within... films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, my god. Well, I mean, but okay, but maybe you're one of the first small people that's a filmmaker. What if you, you just? Kind of, well, that's you know, what I'm saying. What if you Is just that... team with like a larger, like a large size director, and you do like how they used to make like the scale model cities to like do like big action scenes like with like Godzilla and Star Wars and all that. You could do that but actually have real actors well, in the like small a normal roles. Actually so, <laughs> yeah. so here's the, so here's the thing. Think about it, right? If you're a film if you're a film production company, part of the whole reason they talk about wanting to scale down is because it, you know, it obviously saves a lot of money. Think of that. Instead of having to rent out these you know giant studios and spend all this money on you know these big things you can do the same thing but literally at a fraction of the size right Mo movies they're still being shown to big people you can still make money the same way you're just making you, if a you lot shoot more money. if you shoot it with a small camera can you still scale it to the big you screens up, you like upscale it if it's yeah. digital yeah it's gonna look okay so really shit. quick i think we need to clear this up now before we get too far <laughs> in the episode are we gonna refer to them as small people and big people is that what we're doing here? <laughs> I guess. I think we have to because small they always talk people about getting normal small. People. Getting small, right? Okay, I just want to hey, make sure. We can't offend anybody with this because Alexander Payne was offensive enough making this. So <laughs> we're going to be just fine. Dude. So, Ryan, you're up next. What do you think? Yeah, I find it a little disconcerting that nor Kevin or Cameron brought up the environmental issues in regards to this film. Oh, how could I ever forget? So clearly you guys don't have the green thumb like I do. And with mm. that being said, I absolutely would not do this. <laughs> um, I think it's, I mean, we see in the film that like everybody that goes through this process, they say that like it makes their lives so much easier, but that seems just like a surface level thing as opposed to what we see from certain characters later on that I'm sure we'll touch on. Um, and then, like, you guys brought up Kristen Wiig's character. Like, the big issue with her was, like, saying goodbye to her friends and her family and all that. Like, I just think it would just be weird. I don't 
I don't really want to go through that process. I don't really see a reason to. And as we've learned in the film, just because you shrunk to five inches tall doesn't mean your entire life is going to get fixed. Mm -hmm. So, And I just want to point out, as someone who just mentioned Kristen Wiig's character and relating to her, uh, I hated what Kristen Wiig did in this movie. And I think that was the movie's point, but it was like, it took me after the movie to realize, no, she's the only rational one in the whole movie, but it's the movie true. makes you feel like you're like, God. You're rooting, it, you root <laughs> against her, and then as you learn more, you're like, oh, maybe she was kind of right. She was yeah. right on the money. You, you said I wouldn't. I, I, I guess I never really answered. I would do it. Oh, I would get small. Yes. I, yeah, yeah, you said we, I said I, no. You kind of, yeah, you kind of sound like you kind of sounded like you were saying yes. So I guess it makes sense. Oh, okay. Sense. Yeah, no. The answer is yes. Just for the filmmaking purposes. Not the for whole the environmental thing, the reasons. The whole thing about <laughs> right. being the whole thing about being poor and then being rich is kind of cool. Yeah, but that's well, not. It doesn't, that make doesn't any work. Sense. It, it doesn't it work out. For, and it doesn't happen to everybody though. Well, he got divorced. Yeah, but there were there were other so people. So you have to get married and then get divorced to do it. Is that what you're doing? No, that's why he. That's why his life sucked. Is because he lost all of his money in the divorce. How you know now? It's starting to come around to her being terrible again because yeah, no, she's <laughs> she, terrible. Yeah, she, tr- she she leaves him behind at the facility and then then divorces him and takes most of his possessions. Dude, the <laughs> he, way that she does it is so nonsensical. It's cold blooded. Like when she's like on the phone with him and she's talking about how she's like don't make me upset don't make me upset or you're i'll hang right. up on yeah, you yeah, yeah. Like, what are you talking about you're if you, the one if you, leaving <laughs> if you raise your voice i'm gonna hang up i'm gonna hang up it's like are you kidding <laughs> yeah, when you say that she was rational mm, 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 no sorry i think it, it would have been a rational thing to do before letting her husband go through with it yeah right yeah. right if at the the entrance to like walking into whatever the fuck like Pleasureville, what the hell was it? Pleasureville, <laughs> Leisureland, Leisureland. Pleasure. Are you sure we watched thing. the same movie? <laughs> <laughs> no. Before walking into Leisureland, she's like, "Babe, I can't go through with this." Then, like, okay, you're completely redeemed. But that was such a cold-hearted thing to do. It was oh bad. My God, Joel, what do you think? Would you go through with this? No, I wouldn't do it. My my biggest thing is, I mean. Maybe I just missed it, but it seems like you can't like there's nothing to do there. Like the only thing you see inside of their little like bubbles are like houses and like shops and stuff, but there was no beach, there was no mountains, like there's an olive garden. Did you not yeah. hear about Chris did you not hear what Christoph Waltz was saying? Yeah, he, and he has like a bunch world. of parties. No, all I the know, time. but like it's like I don't know. Even when they go to the Norway one, the Norway one maybe. If I was over the Norway one, maybe. But at least in Leisureland, that looked boring as hell. I would not go there. But that's the thing is, you could leave your life behind and then travel everywhere, live the life that you want to live, but you can't because you're big. With and according to that, according to that billboard, Aloha Gardens is coming anytime soon. So that's I know in that little plot of land <laughs> that was right there. That was ridiculous. <laughs> we can go hang out with uh, Asian people like Emma Stone. Yeah. At Aloha Gardens. <laughs> oh, um, wow. Okay. Well, I mean, we kind of touched on a little bit here, so let's get a little bit into this film. Now, Kevin, as our guest, you chose uh, – what is this called again? Downsizing? Downsizing. I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget. I almost said Aloha. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I was already thinking about Aloha again. Uh, Kevin, you chose Downsizing. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your experience seeing the film and then your initial thoughts and why you chose to go see it in the first place? Okay. Well – I would say there was a period of time from like 2014 to 2018 where I was like high school age, college age, and I had all the time in the world to go see like every Oscar worthy and like buzz worthy movie that was going to potentially be up for awards. And 
I went to see Downsizing with me. It was my dad, my best friend that I've had for my whole life, Scott, and his dad. And I remember so vividly, like, looking, like, to my left and my right in the theater being like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like, during the Christoph Waltz party scene, during the whole, like, stuff, Voyage to Norway, like... It's this rare movie that I was like shocked at the stupidity of it and also bored out of my mind. Like it's such a bad combo for those two. And like I said in the little promo video or audio that I recorded, it's one of those movies that I expected to enjoy because the trailers, which I think are the biggest offender, made this movie seem so like, oh, have fun. Matt Damon's a like having a fun time as a as a small person. I almost said a short person, but that's a that's the wrong way to call them. Uh, You're so but offensive. It, I know. I'm, I'm such a jackass. But uh, the movie just seemed so much more fun than it actually was. And, yeah, I was bet- torn between this and Jurassic World as the movie that I was going to pick. But I was like, I knew Jurassic World was going to suck. The, the, original, the original Jurassic World. Jurassic World 1 sucks. And if any of you disagree with me, We I'll... already did the second one. We, okay, so we did the second the one. We did the second one. Jurassic Park, <laughs> the first movie, is my favorite oh, Jurassic... movie of all time. Oh, you're talking about the regular ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm Jurassic... talking about Jurassic World. Jurassic right. Park, obviously, is a, a fantastic movie. No, no, no. Movie. What I was going to say is I actually... I didn't mind Jurassic World. It wasn't great, but the second one is just terrible. See, I saw the second the one on a date, and it was, like, the worst date of my life. Cameron, <laughs> do you like the first Jurassic World? I do, yeah. Yes, yeah, so you like both of them. Or Joel and I like. I, I think one I mentioned I've seen Jurassic World in three countries in theaters in three countries. I I I think Jurassic World is everything a holly a summer blockbuster should be. It's very you know it's clear we disagree and I don't know about you o- guys. Only everyone disagrees with you in regards to Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom though. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm also going to disagree with Kevin on downsizing. Uh oh. Oh, okay. Um, Here we go. I'm oh interested in this. Yeah, yeah I'm curious about so, this. So, so here's the thing. So I'm with Kevin. Uh, the first time I went to see it, I was actually super psyched about this movie. Um, I heard I had heard about the. So this movie, when it came, the early reviews came out. They were fantastic. I I trying to remember where it premiered. It might have been Venice. Um, but the reviews were fantastic. So I was so excited. Are you, sa- are you saying movie. it was like a film festival film? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, okay. It the premiere at a film festival. I was so excited they, they had, for this They movie. had Oscar aspirations for this? Oh, God. They did. I remember. Yeah, this was, this was a huge campaign for screenplay and for Hong Chao for supporting she, actors. She was nominated, yeah? She wasn't nominated for an oh, Oscar. She, wasn't? she was nominated for other stuff. I think a Golden Globe. So, um, so I was really excited for this movie. And... Um, you know, it had a, you know, obviously it it put all the names in the cast. You know, um, obviously Matt Damon, Kristen Wiig, um, you know, Christoph Waltz, um, Laura Dern, Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> yeah, that was a surprise. Uh, who? Neil Patrick who? Who was that last one? Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris. It put all those names in the trailer. And like, yes, in, in the first time I saw it, I think I, I was really enjoying it. And then I know what Kevin, you know, I know the thing is, is that the movie essentially turns into another movie halfway through. And it. And then it, it kind of lost me there. But overall, I, I do remember coming out of the theater thinking, oh, yeah, that was pretty good. It wasn't as good as I thought it would be, but it was pretty good. However, on the rewatch, I remember because in after time and after, you know, kind of uh, thinking about it and, um, you know, because reviews weren't very nice on this movie. I think I kind of had it in my head that I didn't like it that much. Because when I talked about it with my dad, when I talked about the mom with my mom, they they were like, yeah, we didn't really like it. So I watched it again this weekend, and 
the first half of the movie I'm like, this is excellent. This is absolutely fantastic. Um, the, I'm really like, they did a fantastic job. Kev, Kevin is seething over there. This, I'm not is, seething. I'm just, just very ready. puzzled. I'm this puzzled. is a fantastic start to the movie. It's a bummer they screwed it up in the second half. And then I kept watching, and I kept watching, and I kept watching, and I, I and I, I would pause, and I'm like, wait, where's the part where they started messing up? Like, where's the part where I stopped, wanted to stop watching? And I got and I got done with this movie and I'm like maybe I, I I think I was wrong like this I do think that this is an excellent movie. Wow. So, oh, excellent. That's the word you're using. I think it's an excellent, excellent movie. Okay. I understand why people don't like it and I think maybe the reason why I liked it more this time is because I already knew that the second half was going to happen the way it did. The same thing happened. I don't know Joel this was your recommended movie last I the first time I watched Grand Budapest Hotel I did not like it. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it wasn't good. Um, Which, by the way, Joel, I finally watched that this past oh, nice. week. The, it's at, great. Obviously, the second time. I watched that movie multiple times a year because it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. But the first time I watched it, I didn't appreciate it. Now, I'm not saying Downsizing is one of the best movies I've ever seen. But I think it is up. I, 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 do, I really do think it's a fantastic movie, if I'm being honest. So... I kind of see what you're saying, but I personally have the opinion that every part of this movie, the first act, second act, and third act, are all equally crap, but in different ways. Like, for different (laughs) reasons, I dislike each part of this movie. And it's like, to me, going into it, I expected it to be something like Inherent Vice, which is a movie that I personally really love. And I was like, okay, this is going to be a bit of a stranger plot, but I'll dig it because Alexander Payne's a great screenwriter. I love his movies, uh, freaking Sideways and The Descendants and Nebraska, and I was expecting that kind of writing style to fit well with this interesting concept. The whole problem of the entire movie, in my opinion, is that the concept gets so relegated immediately. Like, after a certain point, if someone just turned on downsizing on TV and was in the part where, like, he's with Christoph Waltz or they're going through the, the fjords in Norway, like... The point mm-hmm. that they're small, like you, it could be lost on you. Like it doesn't even matter. Like, and I do completely well, agree with you there. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is like I, I'm actually gonna be kind of a very middle ground here. I think because I didn't hate this, uh, but I also didn't really like it. Um, I, I say I'm leaning more towards the dislike than the like. But my biggest thing was the fact that the downsizing, like barely really came into play. Like you could have taken that whole part of the plot out of it. And this movie still could have worked. And I feel like they just kind of wasted this concept because that was one of the things that was drawing me to this one. I just saw it today for the first time. And one of the when this came out, this is one of the movies that I was really excited to see uh, because, like you said, it, it was kind of loaded with a cast and just the, the concept seemed fun. I was like, oh, this should be interesting. And then I watched it today. And I was like, oh, like they really just kind of threw that concept out the window. Like you could have easily done this exact same story without this whole downsizing concept. So I completely understand what you're saying there because it, it really does feel like it's completely unnecessary for them to be small. Mm-hmm. Kevin, you brought up something very interesting. Um, you said that you had an issue with the trailers when this first came out. Before I yeah. kind of give my opinion, I want to hear what you what you had to say about the trailers. So the trailer that I vividly remember watching, and like for me, I personally like love trailers, and even if a movie ends yep. up being bad, I'll be like, okay, that trailer was great. But uh, the trailer for Downsizing features that song uh, Once in a Lifetime uh, yeah. by uh, the, the Talking Heads, isn't it? By the Talking Heads, yeah. exactly. And it makes it so, like, f- 
fun-filled and I, you feel I, like I this the, movie's gonna this. go on adventures yeah. but the whole movie is like when it's not boring it's like such a downer like they're yeah. talking about like matt damon's life is in shambles the environment's gone to crap these people in norway are now like convinced the world's gonna go up so they go into a bomb shelter like hong chow's character got her leg blown off like the directions they take this movie with regards to the like premise of the like downsizing and like shrinking process yeah. is like so mundane and when it's not mundane it's fucking depressing like it's not like they really wasted the concept in my they opinion. took the like they it's... took the premise that they tried to sell everybody on and threw it away in the actual yeah, film itself mm-hmm. and that's a big issue but that's a hollywood issue that we see all the time well like um, at a certain point the only like thing that qualifies this as being as all of them being downsized is when they're all like oh my god he really has a yellow rose and you just see matt damon walking down a hallway carrying yeah. a big ass rose and i'm like Okay, the image is funny, but like that's literally the only thing that's yeah. qualifying this it, is them being small. In, in the in the second half of this film, is there any shot that you guys can think of where you're like, yeah, you can clearly tell they've been shrunken down because you can't well, really tell. The there only is time one. is when they go through the tunnel to get to like the yeah. you know those, and you, those yeah, and those you see like, like the he turns around, he looks at the wall, and then you see like on the net there's like a dead bird and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so then there's like, also that scene at the very end when like he leaves before the bomb shelter shuts and then they're like oh my god it's gonna explode oh, and oh yeah, like, yeah. Blew the, the little explosion. and that was funny i'll say yeah, that, that was, was actually pretty um, there were when some they're on bits the boat, in here that were pretty all, funny yeah, yeah the big vodka oh yeah they're towing along the giant bottles of the, the, the like svedka yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely are any of those scene, are any of those scenes like prevalent to the film they're just sight gags yeah. they're yeah, really just exactly. sight yeah they're just yeah and there was a lot of that because like even at the very beginning when the uh the professor dude the scientist when he's giving his speech as like a miniature person or as a, as a small person i was laughing because his microphone is like a normal sized lavalier microphone on a human but it's like clipped to this miniature little like you know stand that he's talking on and it's yeah. being held there by the clip and it looks super funny yeah Ryan, I know you haven't really I, – because I have a lot of things I want to say because I, I think this is interesting. I, I remember disliking this movie, and then the second time I watched it, I was like, yeah, maybe I was wrong. And so I have a lot I want to say to Kevin, but I also don't want to cut in because I know you haven't really talked yet. Yeah, well, I think it's really interesting because all three of you guys have differing opinions, and I'm not really sure if I fit in with any of those because my thought with this movie was – I'm really looking forward to it ending because I was like Kevin mentioned, I was really bored during most of it. Mm -hmm. I thought the premise was really interesting even when the trailers came out and then just seeing it and seeing how it didn't really matter all that much was really Mm -hmm. annoying to me. If you take out that premise, it really is just a huge downer of a movie. So I lean mostly towards what Kevin is saying, but the difference is that like, this movie was so bad that it, it like annoyed Kevin and he wants to talk to talk to people about it and tell him how much he disliked it. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm like, I saw this and this was terrible and I don't ever want to bring this movie up again. Like I thought I just was so like Cameron, I'm really interested to hear you dive a little deeper into like why you liked it because maybe, maybe there was something in there that I just didn't see, but through my first rewatch and my first rewatch was uh, before, just before we recorded the show. Um, I just, wasn't interested in anything that they were trying to tell me in this film i thought i thought the shock casting where like you mentioned they had all these big names in the cast and they have one or two scenes and we never see them again it's just it's just stuff that we see all the time with a lot of these Mm -hmm. hollywood films and it's just kind of annoying i get i get tired of it seeing it because we really only spend 
what are we probably about half of this movie is really only with two characters matt mm-hmm. damon is in i think i think he's in every scene so we never don't see him yeah, it's his it's about yeah him. it's his movie and he's not that interesting of a character unfortunately i disagree I, i'm curious to hear what you think because I, I, just, I just think he's kind of a sad sack of a guy i think he's very relatable for a lot of people which could be compelling but for a film that was already struggling to keep my attention he wasn't a character that could draw me in See, I and see. This is the thing. I have to disagree. I think that Matt Damon's character. I really enjoyed him. You know, I think his performance was really. I mean, Matt Damon. Like, I was watching this. I'm like, there is no one that can play kind of like a naive kind of like, oh, like you know, white dad better than Matt Damon. He plays it so well in this movie like i could totally see him having like the white nike sneakers you know with his like omaha you know selling omaha steaks or whatever like i like i think (laughs) like it's like it's so like i and like that's the thing is like this movie is actually hilarious like i think that this movie takes um humor to it's a very interesting type of humor because it's not like there are any like laugh out loud like funny moments when they're like when they tell a joke or whatever but it's just like everything that happens in this movie is just kind of like you talk about okay so kevin did you talk about it being mundane yeah i think you said the word well i i it it brought the concept of like shrinking people and downsizing them to a point where it was just like normal and mundane and like yes and I agree with that. The difference between you and me is I think that's what is the genius of this movie. I think that what that is what makes this movie so interesting to me because I uh, because the first time I watched this, I, I understand what all of you guys are saying because I believe I felt the same way the first time I watched it. However, this time it as a as a storytelling device, taking something and taking the world building that he did in the first half that Alexander Payne did in the first half and saying, okay, we're shrinking all this. I think that's, what's so interesting because to Matt Damon, to all of these other people, after they've been living there for, you know, a couple of years, th- that's what li- it, life just becomes mundane again. Right. But I don't think the- that was an interesting direction to take it. I think that was like, that's where we differ obviously is that mm-hmm. I think yeah. that going from like the interesting concept they introduced in the first half to the point where they've been living there a while and it's just normal is like, okay, but when I'm going into a movie being sold that this is a science fiction movie about people shrinking down, I don't want that to end up happening Mm -hmm. in the story. And I get that it's an interesting creative decision. And I will say this is that to me, you were bringing up the humor earlier and the humor for me, like, especially in this rewatch, like the most I could get out of it was like breathing a little bit harder out of my nose. Like, you know, that feeling when you're just like, <laughs> like okay. Like yeah. I rolled my eyes a lot during this movie in terms of the humor. I See, didn't really I, think it was that. Funny. I laughed at this movie. I, it's just like little things, right? Haha, <laughs> little things. But like, like the convert, like when Matt Damon is having the <laughs> dinner with the woman he's seeing now in you know in the downsized world like how awkward their conversation is and how Uh they're like pushing it along i was like i thought that was hilarious like it like it you know how awkward that all was or like what you know when he's when he's in the party he's just kind of like walking around and you know he's he goes up to the guy he's like I'm going to take off my shoes. Like that's yeah. hilarious. Like okay, that's that scene so, was hilarious. Like I, all I, of that I think is that so scene funny. Is funny. I'm and like, like uh, this is so interesting. I'm very like right in the middle with you guys because like I'm agreeing with a ton of what, what Kevin is saying, 
but I'm also like Cameron, you're making a lot of good points too. That like I'm like yeah, like that's right, or that's what I was thinking. Like I'm really curious to see what I think at the end of this because I think you guys could sway me either direction. Um, because I'm oh really God, kind of on the competition now. Like I want to, like I, I, I want to be clear. This is not like, this is not a movie. Like uh, I'm trying to think of like a movie that we've talked about that. Like, I, I, I understand why people don't like this movie. You know, this isn't like mm-hmm. watching. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a movie we did recently. Well, can I make a Can I make a quick comparison while you're thinking of that? Sure. Yeah. I personally think that this is an equivalent but worse version of what her. Oh my god, that's what I was gonna say. Oh, that makes sense. That's what I was gonna say. I literally so Ryan watched it what two weeks ago, Ryan, for the first time about that. And I, her is I, I eat one of my top three movies of all time. I know that you know. And I told Ryan, I said, I love this movie, Ryan. I adore this movie. I completely understand if you don't like it. Like, there's a lot of people who've seen her and they're like, I I just didn't like it. It, You know, whether it bothered them, they felt it was creepy, weird, whatever. And I understand that, you know, but I personally really loved it. And I totally see what you mean with this movie. I think that it's it's very similar in that there's high concepts going on. But like what me and Cameron have been talking about, they kind of turn those high concepts into something that's just normal in this world. And we're just supposed to accept it. And in her, you kind of do accept it. But in this movie, you're kind of like they drag out some moments of like of like visual humor like we've been pointing out like the sight gags and you're just like wait why are they small anymore like it doesn't make any sense whereas in that movie you're completely fully engrossed in the world or at least i think that i was the whole time watching the movie the whole time and for downsizing i felt like i was very like detached the whole time and i felt like i was just like this doesn't really connect with me yeah i i I completely understand where you're coming from because we, we both do think the same thing about the movie and how they use the concept. We agree on that. The difference we have uh, is that obviously you didn't enjoy that. And I think that that was the genius of the movie. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that this is one of the really interesting things about this movie is because um, compared to other movies where we've talked about, like, you know, um, Jurassic World, where I disagree, you know, I think Jurassic World is actually, you know, an enjoyable movie or, um, yeah, and I think it's a huge dumpster fire of a movie, but that's okay. That's okay. But no. like, but like, that's the, and like, we both agree on the main point of this movie being one thing and we, one of us likes it, one of us thinks it's fantastic because of that, and the other person thinks it's bad. And it's like, we I don't think we've had that point where we've agreed on a point, but then just had vastly different opinions on that point in this in this podcast so far. So I think it's interesting. Yeah. Well, there's a little bit of division in terms of our group as to whether we like the movie or not. And that same could be said for the critics coming in for this mm, film. I saw that. They had it sitting at a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes, That's which fascinating. I was really intrigued by that rating even more. So when I saw what the audience rating was, the audience have this sitting at 23%. Mm-hmm. This is a massive discrepancy between uh, critics and audiences. And I'm curious if any of you guys maybe have an idea as to why, like why would critics what? think so much high? It, it's still a low rating. It's basically, basically 50, 50 mm-hmm. still a low rating, but why would critics think, even just a little bit higher of this film than audiences. You think maybe just audiences didn't understand the concept. They weren't intrigued. Kevin, what do you think about that? Uh, Well, I was thinking while you were saying that, that it makes perfect sense that critics like this movie more because critics go into movies, not expecting the same thing that audiences do. Audiences go into the movies for 
escapism, for an enjoyable experience. And like when they see movies that bring them down or when they see movies that are a little bit too artsy for them, like I vividly remember walking out of her similarly to Joel being like, this is like my favorite movie this year. And I turned to my friend Scott and he was like, that was a piece of shit. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. And like, I think Scott, if you're listening to this, you don't deserve to watch movies. (laughs) (laughs) My friend Scott, I'll say this about him. He, he's very well versed in movies and i think he typically goes more for like historical dramas or like movies that are about real life and any movies that involve like fantasy elements he doesn't really vibe with and that's fine that's that's you know to each their own but Mm -hmm. to me obviously critics go into movies trying to weigh out the artistic merit like in a way it kind of reminds me of i've never seen the movie but it reminds me of how the reception was to the tree of life back in like 2011 where like people Mm -hmm like booed it and applauded it at like con film festival or whatever and it's like those type of experiences where it's like yeah i fully anticipate if i looked at the the critics versus the audiences of that movie of her of you know any high concept like maybe annihilation well annihilation is also kind of like a fun like popcorn movie at Mm -hmm. the same time but you know those kind of like high concept movies can kind of go over people's heads or they're just not interested and critics look for that stuff and some of them enjoy it and some of them don't. Joel, you wanted to f- jump in on this when we f- when I first brought it up. What do you have to say on this? Yeah, so no, I was just going to say, like, so with the, with the critics, I think we're kind of seeing a good example of how I feel the critics would go into this right here in front of us with, with the way Cameron and Kevin are both kind of looking at it. You know, I, I bring it up, I think, every week that I feel the general audiences, most general audiences, you know, there's a lot of, like, cinephiles out there, but most general audiences go into a movie just to watch it and hope that it entertains them, yeah. right? Whereas critics, you know, they may be looking at it under a much, you know, a more fine microscope. And like you've mentioned, or I think all of us really, this movie kind of promised something that it didn't really deliver on. And I think for audiences to go in expecting that this movie was going to kind of give us this whole story about, oh, what they're going through with being small and, and the trials and tribulations of being five inches tall. And, you know, oh, let's see, how how do they go to the lake? Oh, they fill it up with a regular-sized water hose or something. Like, <laughs> these are the things that I feel like I was expecting to see going into a movie about people who are five inches tall. And instead, it was just like, oh, no, it's just the normal world. Um, it's just small, and we're telling you that, so you just have to believe us. You know, it, it, there's very few times where we really see – the smallness in, in the back half of the movie you know the first half it keeps setting it up we see the comparison of regular sized people talking to their friends who are now small or whatever but the entire back half of the movie it just it just looks like a normal movie because it's just all taking place in the small villages and i think audiences probably went in expecting to get more of that kind of scaling between regular sized humans and those mm-hmm. who've gone through downsizing and even more than that idea i think is that I think in general, it's a bad idea for a movie to be very different than the trailer. Like, I think yeah, if a trailer, absolutely. like, misadvertises yeah. what the movie is entirely, like, I've never seen this movie, but I've seen a lot of YouTube videos about The Village, the M. Night Shyamalan movie, and, like, oh, yes. I saw the, pretty yep. much it, which is, like, one of my favorite YouTube channels did a video about it, where they were like, this movie should have been advertised completely differently, and people might have liked it, but right. the we, fact that it was we just, selling We just else. had this situation with Collateral Beauty. It was the same thing, where, like, they, yeah, tell, collateral... you it, they tell you it's going to be, like, an uplifting mm-hmm. story about... Uh, a couple of friends helping their friend through a hard time. And it turns out they're trying to scam him. Oh, <laughs> so. dude, I remember that. I was like, when you said collateral beauty, I was like, what the fuck was that movie? And then I was like, oh, yeah, my sister went to see that. And then she came home traumatized. She was like, <laughs> this movie is fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 is. it is. It really is. Um, I, 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 
so again, I am agreeing with everything that you're saying, and I do think that this trailer was not appropriate for the movie that we got. You know, I, I, I do think that that is a big reason why the audience was not a big fan of it. And I think that that might have been the reason why I enjoyed it more the second time was because I saw a trailer. I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be something. I saw the movie. It wasn't that thing that I thought. I got half of that movie. And then the other, second half was a different movie. And I think that's part of the reason why I didn't like it the first time. That being said, like I, you know, I've said multiple times, I knew what I was expecting the second time. And so I was able to enjoy it more be- because the movie wasn't, you know, the trailer. I, I had, I already knew what the movie was going to you happen. You kind of separated it from the trailer. Exactly. You know, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie, The Place Beyond the Pines. Have we talked oh, about yeah. this on the podcast? Yeah. All right. No, I don't think we, we have. have. Okay. That is the worst, and I have that is the worst trailer to movie I have ever seen yes. in my entire life. Yeah, I was so excited for that movie. That trailer was incredible. I was like Bradley Cooper, Ryan Gosling. Um, mm. who I forget who the I know the director he uh, did director is Nicholas Winding Refn. Yeah, yeah, he did. Draft. No, uh, which I was gonna no, 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 say, he didn't do Place Beyond the Pines. I thought he did. No, no, no. He Let's didn't see. do placement. The guy who did Blue it's Valentine. A Der- it's Derek Sy in France. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That, yeah, yeah. No. Sorry to Nicholas Winding Refn. No, you're, you're okay. Uh, he did. He yeah, did we don't, um, don't want to put that on his filmography. Uh, yeah. he, did, he did The Neon Demon. Excellent movie, by the way. Yeah, so this guy did Blue Valentine. Um, I think he did one recently, too. Um, I was so excited for that movie. I went in. If you've seen that movie, you know that the trailer is the first 30 minutes, and the rest mm-hmm. of the movie is something completely different mm-hmm. i hate that movie that's one of my least favorite movies <laughs> really um, yeah i i will never watch that movie again because of and maybe it was good maybe it was good mm-hmm. um but i like i i won't know because i the movie that was shown to me wasn't the movie i got and i was so pissed off about that well, it's you funny know, right. that I thought that it was Nicholas Winding Refn because I was going to say that Drive is a very similar movie that people were very, like, some people were very dismissive of it because they were expecting something else from the trailer, yeah. which was a completely similar thing to what you're talking about with Place Beyond the Pines. I love Drive. I think that movie's kind of come mm-hmm. back, and most people think that's a really good movie, but yeah. I was also going to just bring up something else, to yeah. not to, like, steer topic too far, but... Cameron, you brought up something about Matt Damon's performance that kind of shocked me because personally, I was going to come on here and say that Matt Damon's performance sucked. Oh, I, I disagree. I yeah, I can tell. I think that <laughs> I think that Matt Damon's performance is like the worst performance in an Alexander Payne movie that I've seen. Which you know, that's my opinion, and I don't, I don't think that you know that's a category that he particularly cares about he's like you think i'm the worst like matt damon does not give a fuck about my opinion first of all but second of all i think that alexander payne has done this type of character in other movies so much better like paul giamatti in um god what the fuck sideways paul giamatti in sideways real quick it's funny you bring up paul giamatti because you know he was like actually the first person attached to this role really i I think he would have done it better because i don't think you know, I I do completely disagree with what Cameron was saying. That I don't think that Matt Damon plays this kind of role very well. Oh, like to me, I, I'm in the mold of especially during this time in his career. Like this probably was right after or right before the, the Martian. The Martian. It was yeah. right after. 
Yeah, and I loved him in The Martian, and I feel like he's so much more of, like, a confident... Like, he's a good hero role, like, in my opinion, when he's acting in that kind of position. And he as goes just, on, like, a he, schleppy... Go, go for it. Uh, he goes on a tough run uh, after The Martian comes out with Jason Bourne, The Great Wall, Downsizing, and Suburbicon. His I was going to bring up films. Suburbicon as well. He, <laughs> yeah, Suburb, Suburbicon and Downsizing both come out in 2017. Great Wall and Jason Bourne in 2016. So, like... That's, oh come on! The Jason I, I, Bourne movie. Jason was Bourne good. wasn't that bad. But no, the four. But that's the fourth one. Like it's not. Yeah. It's not great. The it was other, enjoyable. It, it was. It was the best. I think it was the best out of these four. Um, we don't even. Uh, with we, the bullet, we're not, obviously. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Great Wall because we'll talk about that some other time. I promise <laughs> you that. Um, Suburbicon was boring, and then downsizing. We've given our thoughts. So it's just an interesting run that he goes on after such big success with The Martian. Yeah, and um, I just think his performance is so flat to me because I, so I honestly disagree. think that I honestly thought that his delivery of lines was like if a different actor had done it, it would have felt more natural. But it just felt like he was trying. Like I could tell, I could see the acting. Like I couldn't, I couldn't disassociate that Matt Damon was trying to be this position. Cameron is flipping the fuck out. I, I, <laughs> I like. Here's the thing. I completely disagree with you. I like. Okay the very first time we see Matt Damon, he's in the bar and he, he's like, wow, isn't that something? Proudly and showing off his Omaha steaks yeah, apparel. Steaks polo. He's like, he's yeah, like wow, ridiculous. isn't that something? I'll take the takeout. Like just right there. I like, I was just like, I'm sold. And then like just the rest of the movie, like, was that scene really like that compelling to you? Like, I mean, cause we're talking about, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, cause like, I think that like, like, it's just hilarious. like, Hey, Oh, shucks. Well, okay. Let Look me, at that. That's like, this is, but this is what I'm saying is I think that this movie is hilarious because of like, because of Matt Damon's character, he's so, and I think this is part of the movie that I think is, he is so out of touch from reality. Like in like, not in like a bad way, but like he lives this very kind of like, I don't want to say sheltered life. Right. But he has this life and he's smart in his own, you know, in his own way. Like he's very good and like he wants to help people. And I think this is what you're talking about, like the gullibility of him to kind of give into everything. And that's why I think it's so interesting is Matt, his character seems and comes off as a person who's just trying to do right. Right. I agree. And with that. he and I think, well, they kind of say like he's always just wanted to serve a purpose, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he and he. And even though he's very sad in many of the, the scenes in this movie, he's still always trying to do something that makes life a little bit better for everyone else. And I think that's really interesting because, like, the way that he talks, that first scene, the way he talks to a complete stranger about, wow, isn't that something? That just shows an optimism in his character. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, Cameron. I can't give you that scene. I, as, see, like, a major I, that scene moment. is literally, like, 10 seconds long. I Cameron... Yeah. Cameron, yeah, I'm with you, bud. I'm with you, and, and not not full fledged. I'm not like, wow, this performance was phenomenal. But I think he played the role well enough to where I was like, yeah, this seems like just like your you know your next door neighbor who's just kind of like, hey, did you see that exactly. new doohickey that they're doing up the street? Exactly. Isn't that impressive? You know, and and he literally felt like some guy that that I could have been that guy next to him at the bar that he was like, dude, did you see that? 
they're shrinking people out and there now. Ins- you know what I mean? And it's okay, like, but, but, but you're saying that you, but you're saying that you could have been that guy. So that kind of goes against, uh, kind of maybe goes along what I'm saying. It's like it doesn't feel like that's a thing that like only he could have done in well, this role. I'm, I'm, no, I'm not, not, necessarily, I'm not, I'm not saying necessarily saying that, that it's all. Yeah, yeah, I was saying I don't think Cameron is saying that it's no. something that only he could do. I, I know Cameron was kind of lauding his performance that it was like impressive. Like, it's out, it's, out it's of a great world. performance. Um, but but I think he did a good job with the role. I don't think. I, I Paul Giamatti, I love Paul Giamatti, and maybe he could have done a good job with this role too. But I don't think Matt Damon was a bad choice for this. And I think I think it would I think it would have I think it would have been a character written a little differently because I, I agree I with you. Paul make, Giamatti couldn't have done like the goofy all shucks yeah. thing. I, I want to make does. it clear. I I'm not saying that this is a movie that like Matt Damon should be like win an Oscar, even be nominated for an Oscar for. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that he is perfect for this role he mm-hmm. plays the role perfectly yeah. and there are movies that i think matt damon is not a good actor in i don't like um we bought a zoo like <laughs> cameron likes we bought a zoo i like that he does. movie. i know i just yeah. i just know that jimmy kimmel always makes fun of him for that. uh yeah oh, yeah he does i i think that there are movies that matt damon is like you know i i don't think about matt damon and think oh wow what a great actor i think oh yeah that's matt damon but i think that he is the perfect actor for this role that's what i'm saying and i think that he does an excellent job mm-hmm. in the role is this an oscar award-winning performance no but it doesn't have to be and i think that's the whole purpose is like joel said it's the guy it's the neighbor next door who's going through this kind of incredible journey but his life is still mundane and that's when you talk about i i think storytellers when they make the mundane fascinating this is almost doing the exact opposite and making the fascinating mundane but still finding a fascination in the story and i think that's what's so genius about this movie like i like i full-fledgedly disagree with your with what you think about this movie even though we agree on the points about it there are other movies i think that do this concept better of making a fascinating concept and turning into a mundane reality for the characters the two that I think of are like Harry Potter 3, Prisoner of Azkaban, and Monsters, Inc. Both Ooh. of those movies specifically, because the first two Harry Potters, everything's like, ooh, ah, like, wow. Um, they, The third one, when Alfonso Cuaron takes over, like, they just yeah. cut that out. And they make it like, okay, this is just their reality. They know that's, it. They've been in it. That's the one on. where we're like, hey, we have an end goal we have to get. Let's get it started right now. Exactly. And Monsters, Inc., you know, that was a single standalone film and you're introduced to the characters and you're right in it as if it, none of this is abnormal to anyone in the movie. And I love that because the movie doesn't lose the fact that this is, in fact, a fascinating concept. Whereas with downsizing, I think they lose the fact that you forget about the fascinating concept and, in fact, it becomes a slog. Like, it doesn't matter anymore that they're small. Like, in Monsters, Inc., it still matters that they're monsters. Mm-hmm. In Harry Potter, it still matters that there's magic in this world. Mm-hmm. But in downsizing, it literally doesn't matter. The story loses something to me when it makes it so mundane that it literally could be taking place in the real world and nobody nobody would know yeah, you make a you make a really good point about the story um joel i'll let you finish your point uh but before that we should really talk about what the actual story <laughs> of this is because we've talked a lot about um performances we've talked a little bit about the direction they go in but we haven't really told everybody like what what the story that alexander Payne is actually trying to tell us in this like what he's going for uh what did, did you have something to go no off i i was just going to echo kevin and say that he he really put it in probably the best words possible like i i that's where i do start to stray away from your opinion cameron i understand what you're saying about taking the fascinating and making it mundane 
But like Kevin was saying, it, it doesn't matter anymore. Like he said, with Monsters, Inc., that's a great example. It still matters that they're monsters and that world is still important that that's where they exist. Whereas here, the fact that they're small, it, it no longer matters for the story or anything that's going on. So It's a, it's um, a real tug of war for Joel right now. To yeah, see yeah, yeah. Who, who's going to well, take is, me? You know? I mean, because this is I mean, this is fascinating. I know we got to get on to the story. We got to keep, yeah. you know. And I'm glad we're getting into the story because, <laughs> like, that's where I think a lot of the faults become, like, evident mm. to me. But I'll let you go into that, right? We're going to throw to our synopsis section of the podcast. We're going to give our audience a brief rundown of what the actual story of the film Downsizing is and then go deeper into that to tell you some of the overarching things that we're going to see in this one. Norwegian scientists have developed a drug that can shrink people to the size of a candy bar in order to reduce waste across the world and protect the environment from collapsing. Due to financial issues, occupational therapist Paul Safranak and his wife Audrey decide to take the plunge into the world of Leisure Land and see just how much better off the world is at their new size. So that's a little quick synopsis of the film. Before we get too deep into the actual plot, I want to talk about director slash writer Alexander Payne. Kevin, I, you mentioned some of his other films earlier. Mm -hmm. Do you think this is, of the films of his that you are aware of or have seen, do you think this is his worst directed film? So... I'm glad you brought this up because I personally, Thank you. always, you're welcome. I always <laughs> think of him as like one of my favorite directors, but then as I think about it, I've only seen four of his movies. So I've only seen Sideways. He wrote, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Yeah, yeah I was going to bring that I was going to bring that up. <laughs> two, of it, two of his screenplay credits that aren't his directing credits. One is I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. The other one is Jurassic Park 3. Yeah, what the You love to see it. Which is well, the worst Jurassic Park movie. So I won't include those, even though those would definitely be worse than this movie. So for me, I've only seen Sideways, The Descendants, Nebraska, and Downsizing. And yes, it's easily the worst of those four movies. I really liked Nebraska at the time. It was... At the time. It, at the time. I haven't seen it again, so that's why I didn't I know he wasn't time. a writer on Nebraska, which was interesting to me. Well, they thought about, oh, who's a guy from Nebraska who could come direct this screenplay for us? And it's like, oh, Alexander Payne's from Nebraska. Yeah, we don't have a lot of options. Yeah, we don't have any other options. Oh, uh, that's that's why uh, Matt Damon's character's from Nebraska. I didn't catch mm -hmm. that. I so thought maybe um, I thought that's maybe where the Omaha Steaks factory was located, which is probably true as well. Yeah, I'm sure it that's is. also true. I personally loved Sideways and The Descendants, and I really enjoyed Nebraska, and I hate this movie. So it's easy for me <laughs> to say that this movie is the worst of his. But I will say that it does tonally fit with what he does. And I was going to mention this earlier when we were talking about Matt Damon because I think that Alexander Payne directs George Clooney – in the descendants into a much better version of this kind of character who's kind of like down on his luck and i believe it from george clooney more than from matt damon in this movie which is a surprise because like george clooney's way like less known for those kind of roles but like i felt it more with george clooney mostly probably because of how traumatic the experiences that character goes through in that movie with like mm. his wife being in a coma and finding out that she cheated on him like it's really dark material that they go into in that movie, and I love that movie so much. And yep. this movie, um, but what about the Alexander Payne question that Ryan said for you, Cameron? I I've only seen Nebraska in this and this and downsizing, uh, and I didn't like Nebraska, so um, you've never seen Sideways. It's a great no. movie. Uh, I I didn't like Nebraska, so and Nebraska is an Oscar-nominated film, right? I'm I know. Not, I'm not. No, I'm not questioning you. I'm I'm double checking. I it was re no, I was really excited to see it. Um, you know, black and white, Bruce Stern. Uh, you Will know, Forte. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I June was, Squibb. Yeah, I was really excited That's to see her it. Name. Um, <laughs> and I watched it. And I was just like, oh. That was kind of my leaving the leaving the I wouldn't say the theater because I watched it on my TV, but leaving the couch, I was like, <laughs> oh okay. Um, oh, that was something. Yeah, I don't even know if. Oh wow, that's neat. <laughs> he was like Matt Damon in that bar scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that was a movie. Hey wow. mom, what's for dinner? That's really so. Wow, ain't that something? That's so funny. I mean, come on, that scene is hilarious. Uh, I I re- I can't believe this Matt da- that you do you think Matt Damon's a good actor though right? I think Matt Damon gets the job done, and so, I don't like I don't mean that that. that that was that wasn't very convincing. No, the answers like, the question. No, so I I'm actually looking at his filmography right here because I was trying to think like there are times where actors who you don't think could do certain things they're kind of let off the ropes almost like the opposite of what steve carell is doing right where he goes from comedy to goes to more serious stuff he's transitioned really well and where you think like matt like you wonder if matt damon could do just kind of like this insane kind of like you know funny role kind of thing and i'm looking at stuff you know it's all it's clear that the guy i mean i I, i'm sorry for saying that i don't think he's a talent i i i think he's a you know he's a talented actor like you um you know, obviously, you have, um, you know, Goodwill Hunting, the talented Mr. Ripley. Elysium. Okay, hey. well. <laughs> George Clooney couldn't pull off Elysium, you know, I'll tell you that. Right know, this guy, you know, he's this also guy's been in a lot of the Bourne movies. But, like, this is the yeah, thing. Is. The guy is in, you know, he's in the Bourne Identity movies, and it's just like, okay, well, what does he really have to do? What I'm saying is that his range doesn't seem, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be as large as it. It, Before we move off of the Matt Damon stuff, I have a, a thought experiment I want to play out here with you, Cameron. I'm going to name another actor from Ocean's Eleven, and I want you to tell me if he's better or worse at acting I like, than Matt Damon. I like this. I'm curious. Okay. So is, is Matt Damon a better or worse actor than George Clooney? Let's start there. Oh, well, he's, a, he's a worse actor, but they like I said, they fulfill different roles in acting, I guess. What about Brad Pitt? No, Brad Pitt's a better actor. What about Casey Affleck? Casey Affleck's a better actor. What about Don Cheadle? Tom Shields a better actor. Hell yeah. Elliot Gould. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Well, fucking what? A. Never mind. You, uh, okay. What about Bernie Mac? <laughs> <laughs> the late great Hey, Bernie don't Mac. you disrespect hey, Bernie I Mac. I love Bernie Mac. He can't defend himself. Yeah, exactly. Mr. 3000 is an all-time great film. He's Elliot the best part Gould. of Transformers. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's the car salesman <laughs> of the first car one. Salesman, yeah. That's right. Um, well, you kind of hit the heavy hitters that are on... Uh, yeah, Damon's really level. That. So wow, he's only better than Scott Con in your opinion. <laughs> I'm just surprised by this opinion. I really am. I, and I, I, I think the point that I'm making is that, like, the point that I want to make is that Matt Damon. It's not like he's a bad actor, right? The, it, it's just that he doesn't have roles that I feel require as nearly as much, at like. His characters just are kind of the same. Can I ask you a follow-up question to this a little bit? Yeah. You said that you say you like you don't like a lot of his roles, but you thought he played this role in downsizing yeah. pretty well. Do you think this is one of his best performances? I think it's an excellent it, like this like this is the thing I want to say. I don't think Matt I don't think I've ever seen a Matt Damon movie and been like, wow, he did a bad job. I'm just saying the roles that he fills don't seem like they require too much from actors. Like you mentioned Casey Affleck, right? Yeah. When I watch Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. Right? 
it's kind of unfair to compare. Da- well, da- da- you know, I mean, Damon produced that movie, he and he had and he had the option to be the lead, and he turned it down. Well, his roles. What I'm saying, I think he's a talented guy. I just don't think his roles demand too much from him, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, but you, like I said, you mentioned Casey Affleck. I don't know if uh, there's not a single movie that Matt Damon has done that would require that I look at and I'm like it would it required even close to what Manchester by the Sea required from Casey Affleck. Maybe Matt you don't Damon, maybe you don't think that he challenges himself that much on a lot of his roles. Is that like a lot of, a lot of actors tend to take on role like he gets compared to DiCaprio a lot because they're from like the same age range. DiCaprio takes on more challenging but roles. DiCaprio I would say takes than Matt on Damon. challenging, and, and I don't yeah. want to hold this account against Matt Damon because I don't like. I like the guy. Like I like I I, I like <laughs> he's his a good, movies. He's a good guy. Yeah. I, I, would I you like, go to Applebee's with him? I would go to Applebee's with him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that he plays all of his roles very well, and I think this role was just. I think he played, like I said, kind of the naive middle-aged white dad, perfectly. You know. Um, uh, like I don't want to spend more time on this because we've already no, talked we can, about Matt yeah Damon's we can better, we right? can move off of Matt Damon otherwise uh, going forward we'll just talk about in terms of his characters he's yeah. the main character yeah. but let's yeah. really get into the actual plot of this film Joel I want to throw an interesting question to you for this one what we kind of learn at the beginning of this film um, is that the best way according to Norwegian science the best way to eliminate I guess excess waste and pollution in this country and not in this world excuse me is to shrink people to the size of about five inches and put them in their own individual habitats in order to slow down the amount of waste we are doing (laughs) you're not a man of science to the level that an actual scientist is but do you do you agree with my thinking that that's just one of the dumbest ideas i've ever heard in terms of (laughs) Uh, environmental activism yeah it's very out there it's pretty bonkers um i feel like they just were like how can we go about making this something that is exists in this world they were like duh like saving the planet so let's make it an environmental issue um but cameron what's up i i i just disagree so you know you think it was you think it was a you think it was a good concept (laughs) yeah i do but it doesn't make any feasible sense because there's so many other alternatives like it's a You're good touching way to introduce... a movie based on the possibilities of other ideas. Well, no, I'm just saying that I think that it's a little bit of a leap to make that, like, the 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 guy goes up on stage and says, "Hey, you know, the world's biggest problem is is waste. Like, we can't do much with how much waste we're giving into the environment." But that's the part of the movie. Like, that's I know, the point of the I know. Movie. You know, I. You I just know, feel like they could have come up with a better reason to the pre- the premise that the premise I that waste being an issue in the environment is a true thing. Like that's mm-hmm. a real issue. I just think it's interesting that this movie's take and Alexander Payne's take on this is that the best way for the world to solve it. And I know it's a movie. I know I know it's not real life, but their opinion is the best way to solve this is to shrink people. I just think but, that's a really out there concept. But see, I I think. And this is where, and this is where it comes into a second. I I have this opinion because I've watched it a second time. I think that you are kind of missing the point. And I don't like. I don't say that to be rude, or I don't say that. But like, there are themes throughout this movie. One of the themes is that this, you know, the guy, the Norwegian guy who came up with this idea, he not once but twice 
comes up with this idea to kind of save the world, right? And it's kind of this fascination that the world, he has, you know, you always have people who call doomsday and are always predicting at the end of the world. And they all, and so for them, for him, it was that idea. And so for him personally, that was him solving that. Now, did it make sense for everyone else? No, but they push that as kind of like the idea of, oh, you're helping make the world a better place. You're helping save the planet. And Jason Sudeikis, his well, character, say no one cares about it. <laughs> and that's exactly yeah. and that's exactly it. And that's the point is that no one actually cares about that. You know, Matt mm-hmm. Damon, he says, because Matt Damon, like I said, he's a good intentioned person. He's like, oh, we're saving the world. And everyone's like, no, we don't care about that. You can live <laughs> the life that you want. You can do what mm-hmm. you want. But Matt Damon is always looking for that bit that's a little bit more. Right. And I and I think that is the point is that like, no, it wasn't going to do anything, but it fulfilled for the scientists to fulfilled the need in which he thought, hey, the world's going to end. We're going to fix this. And then 10 years later, because he's still searching for that bit of him in himself. Right. To fulfill the saving the world kind of thing. And after he accomplished that with what he thought would be downsizing, he realized that still wasn't enough. And that's what this movie is about. It's mm-hmm. you'll never be content. And we see that with all of the characters, right? We see that with all, that was Matt Damon's thing. I, he was never content and he was finally content at the end of the movie because he realized, hey, you know what? I wasn't content in my own life, in my old life. I wanted to change so that I could have a better relationship with my wife and we could live the life that we want. And he mm-hmm. went through with it and it and it ruined his life, right? And so he and so then he got this second chance and he's like, hey, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to, you know, fulfill this thing. I'm going to be something bigger. And then he realized, hey, you know what? The last time I tried to do this, I ruined my whole life. And I, I was the woman I wanted to be with. I didn't end up being with. I, re- I ruined that. And so now he's realizing, hey, you know what? Maybe there's more than just trying to, f- you know, I need to stop trying to fulfill that that thing because I'm never going to actually fulfill it unless, you know, I take the time and realize, okay, I can fulfill it with this person, you know? I, I do want to piggyback on a part of that idea you brought up because I do actually agree with you to an extent about this. Uh, I think the most interesting part of this movie is how they deal with the environmentalist aspect and how it's kind of subverted to the point where it's like, when I first saw this movie, I thought it was like preachy about being environmentalist. But in this rewatch, I realized, oh no, it's it's more of a commentary on how people will f- will like fake environmentalism, but really just be out for themselves and out for a better life for themselves. And I thought it was very interesting, the whole stuff with Neil Patrick Harris, like presenting like all of the stuff they can have for such a little price. And that's the main selling point for people. Like, I think that's really interesting when you come like back to the idea of like this whole invention was for the sole purpose of saving the environment, but nobody's doing it for that reason. I think that as a concept is really interesting. I just have a problem with you know the ending and the middle part where he decides to get small and he decides to go into the bunker where from a plot level i just can't connect with matt damon because it doesn't make any sense for him to do either of those things it feels stupid for him to do both of those things and that's what i was saying like at the beginning of the podcast when i was like matt damon's character is so stupid especially in the ending because his life was starting to come around you know he had this girl um Hung Chao's character, who's I'm gonna butcher her name, so I'm never gonna, I'm not gonna try to say it. Uh, she, he finally gets with her. Uh, so it's it's Nak Lan Tran, I believe is how they. Nak Lan Tran. Okay, so, so he 
He's with Knockland Tran now and Christoph Waltz and that other random dude whose name I don't know, but he was Conrad. a really weird Conrad. Oh, yeah. What a weird character that guy was. I was he was really just, he was just like a he was just like a sea captain. Just yeah. a sea yeah. captain. He was kind of just there. It was weird, but I was so baffled when they get to the Norwegian com- community and he's like instantly like I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I'm going to go with you and like you see it's like what the hell's wrong with but you? Like, wasn't that what any... he did with the whole downsizing thing? Yeah, well, yeah and I, it, it's, it's, this comes down to the same point we were having where it's like we both agree that that is what the movie's going for, and I don't like it, and you do. Yeah. Where I'm like, I think it's it's kind of stupid from an individual perspective to do that, but your point is that it's it's pivotal for the story for this character to behave this way because he's never satisfied. And That's I understand what... that, but I also just don't like in movies where there's characters that make stupid decisions for no reason in my but mind. But I, I don't think it is a stupid decision. You know, he wants to feel fulfilled. We all have. We going all going have into that. the bunker was a stupid decision, and he realizes no, that pretty quickly. But he re- he realizes that he was wrong, just like yeah. he was wrong about being downsized in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we get that character switch, you know? And, and like... Was he, was he wrong about that? Because once he's downsized and once he's, like, really intertwined with Knockland Tran... He starts doing good things. Like he's helping her with her prosthetic leg issue. He's helping even even the little bit that he can with his medical experience. Uh, he was a f- medical mm-hmm. student. And he had to drop out, so he has a little bit. Um, he was helping more people. So like maybe yeah, his life kind of fell apart when it first happened, but it's starting to rebound in a certain way. So maybe that uh, that's just my opinion. Maybe that one wasn't as much of a, hey, I made a mistake. It was on the surface early on, but it was heading towards better things for Well, him. I mean, yeah, I mean, it might not have been a mistake per se, but um, as in the same, but, you know, it's more of like a leaving, you know, having leave his wife or, you know, whatever. Well, she left him, though. You, yeah, I know, but, you know, um, but he did that because he thought it would lead to happiness. That's what I'm saying is he, he pursued this idea of happiness, which was the mistake of instead of like realizing that it was deeper than just like the money kind of issue. You know? No, that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Um, do we think this is a positive film in terms of drawing awareness to climate change issues? Because uh, the, pre- because the premise that they take mm-hmm. is one that's f- just not feasible, but they're still drawing attention like methane leaks and Antarctica is a big plot point for this one. And just like waste and environmental issues, so do we think it's a positive, positive element that they're putting on climate change because that's something that uh, in interviews Alexander Payne and Matt Damon said that they wanted to draw attention to. I don't really think it draws that much attention to it. Like it just feels like a plot device, right? Honestly, like it, it doesn't feel like they're trying to put too much attention to it. Like it's there and, and they're, you know, giving it, you know, attention, but I don't think it gave it enough to where I like I didn't. Like I was gonna say, walk out of this like Cameron. I didn't step out of my bed and and step oh, out wow. of your bed. Were you like? <laughs> I was standing on my bed it? the whole time. No, he this was movie, inside of his yeah, mattress. And then yeah, this movie was so uh, it had me on edge of standing on my bed. Um, no, I didn't like like finish watching this and think, wow, like what a great movie like to promote you know environmentalism. Like no, it just it was just like a plot device. Right? Well, it's it's interesting because it's almost like for me, kind of looking at it, it's almost like as we were just talking about like kind of like oh well not necessarily but like uh oh don't worry about but it's just like matt damon's like oh i guess i just need to live my life as it it, you know as it is and not worry about the things that can affect it i need to 
work mm-hmm. on today and be the person I can without worrying about those, you know, huge things. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, who, uh, Conrad and uh, Dusan. Is it Dusan or what is? How does he say? Yeah, Deshaun. 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 Yeah. Deshaun Watson. Um, yeah. Stop um, it. <laughs> they even they even like say you know they say like oh what are you worried about like yeah the world's gonna end but that's hundreds of years from now like we'll be long yeah. gone by yeah. then like like and I think that's a very common opinion for people you know with you know environmental issues is like well what does it matter it's not gonna affect me you know and so i mean i don't know yeah i guess in ways it it does bring forth these ideas about environmentalism mm -hmm. but i just don't think it was a main enough point to where i felt like that's what the movie was about or that it specifically drew an excessive amount of attention to it so my opinion on the environmentalist aspect i touched on it a little bit about how i think this movie is interesting for how it goes into like how people don't care about the environmentalist aspect and just care for themselves and getting more you know like like stupid like superficial things like a bigger house and jewelry and stuff for me in terms of environmental movies as a whole i personally don't usually like movies that go full into like being preachy about the environment like Mm -hmm. i am an environmentalist in real life but i never enjoy movies that feel like they're telling the audience that you are assholes and you're doing something Mm -hmm. wrong you have to do something better i only like it when it's like documentaries and it's like that's the goal of the movie obviously but when it's a narrative movie and you're going into it to try and enjoy like a movie and especially when they're selling it in the trailers like we've been talking about as like a fun popcorn movie to then get like slammed for like your like your basically vanity and your selfishness and this and that there's in the history of movies I can only think of two movies that have very over-the-top environmentalist themes that I love, and that's Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind and WALL-E, two animated movies. I've never liked a live-action movie that's very over-the-top about environmentalist themes, and I don't think that makes me an asshole because I do believe in the <laughs> environment and I and like helping the environment be sustained and all of the themes of what's in the movie. I just don't like being preached to when I'm sitting in a theater. Mm-hmm. That's just it can also thing. it can also come kind of come across as uh, disingenuous. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel I feel like just in general and like that. That's why I think it's so interesting about this movie and maybe it was a little bit different is because this movie tackled a lot like that was something i i kind of forgot while watching it is just like how many things this movie tackled like uh, yeah obviously there's the environmentalism but like i said i don't think that was a main you know you had like the whole caste system almost right like Mm -hmm. you know social uh social and economic identity uh you know racial identity obviously not you know in like a you know in like a very massive way but like you know um who are most of the people who are in you know kind of the poverty stricken areas right like you know like these like this is and again this is why i find this movie kind of extraordinary almost uh, you know while coming back to it is that this movie tried to tackle so many things it talked about you know the refugee crisis it talked about hey you know what Anytime we come up with new technology, it's going to be used to uh, against human rights, right? Like you're going to have dictators who take these things and they're going to use it to hurt people. Like it tackled so much. And I think that's what's so interesting about this movie is that, you know, it is two hours and 15 minutes. So it is, you know, relatively long. But um, in a small package, uh, you have so many kind of themes that Mm -hmm. it explores and um, 
don't you think that that could be to the detriment of the movie that they talk so much about so many things that it becomes like about nothing at all like it hmm. could be but i don't think there are movies that do that where they try to explore so much that it ends up being nothing Mm -hmm. uh we saw that with collateral beauty right (laughs) um but i i think that this movie alexander payne does a really good job of not doing that to where it does it feels like a natural progression of the story like matt damon finding out oh this is like in order to have this world that we all, you know, this town that we all can live so happily in, you still have an under, you know, you still have people who are still having to do those service jobs, right? And, mm-hmm. like, you know, are still treated poorly by, you know, as we saw Deshaun, like, he treats, you know, the crowd, you know, they still have their prejudices. Throw the ball f- 100 yards. It was awesome. Yeah, dude. So, <laughs> Cameron, I want to, and I want everybody to jump in on this, but I want to start with you on this point because one thing we haven't talked about is the financials in terms of this movie. Mm. Um, and I want to get as your opinion of somebody who likes this movie. I want you to maybe try and tell us why you think things didn't go so well. Because financially, this did not. This was not no. a successful uh, film. No, no. I thought um, you meant the financials of like, is it feasible to create these? Like, <laughs> no, no. no. But you're talking about how no. the movie. I'm talking about the, yeah. the box office. Yeah. <laughs> so at the box office, we had a budget of sixty-eight million dollars for this film, um, which I would imagine most of it comes from the CGI elements of having to do the shrinking with the live action elements i don't know for sure where the budget would have went on this it's probably a big part um a lot of blue screen involved with this film um opening weekend 4.95 million dollars um now granted this is this was a december 22nd release uh here domestically it actually opened in romania in january on january 12th 2017 and then didn't open anywhere else until almost a year later which was interesting are we sure that me. they don't just have the date wrong on that i i checked i couldn't find anything that had a different I, date I on it. It the romanians it, were like give us downsizing yeah, it yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah it just it was so weird like it's such a weird note um <laughs> but yeah so just under five mil opening weekend it domestically totaled at twenty four point five million dollars. Total worldwide box office fifty five million dollars. So didn't make its budget back. Um, and again, like I said, it's not a summer film where like you expect it to make a lot of money, but you probably expected to do a little better than it did. Um, Cam, do you? Th- what do you think is the reason that maybe financially this film just didn't work for a lot of people, or maybe they just weren't interested in seeing it? I I mean, this movie didn't have good word of mouth. Uh, as we right. saw, you know, it, it makes sense that this movie didn't make money. Um, yeah, I think that pe- I think that companies need to, because this is something that we see with trailers a lot, is that people are upset when the trailer doesn't advertise the movie that they're given, and so then they tell people, hey, it's not the movie the trailer, and so people aren't even. Like, if you have a trailer and it shows the movie and it wasn't good, people will just say, yeah, the movie wasn't good. But if you have a trailer that actively lied to the audience, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, the movie wasn't about... <laughs> like, we see this with, like, I, I mean, it's a different industry, but, like, with gaming, with what happened with Cyberpunk. Like, if the game oh, was just yeah. if the game was just not good, people would have been like, yeah, it's not that good, you know, but people still would have bought it. The thing that people were upset about is that they were sold a different game than what had been advertised for the last right, few absolutely. years, you know? And so that comes back to hurt the company because not only are people going to be upset that like, because it's a bad, you know, a bad movie, they're going to be upset because they were lied to and people don't mm-hmm. like being lied to or being made fools of like, and again, that's what I think maybe the first time I watched it, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but the second time I watched it, I knew what I was getting into. So I understand 
I understand why people don't why no one saw this movie why people don't like it I know my parents when we when we watched it uh, they didn't like it and they you know so they told people don't you know don't waste your time on seeing it also coming out December 22nd not a time to come out with this kind of movie come out in yeah. November you know October November when it's a little bit slower um, well I was gonna ask do you guys think this would have been better off away from the Oscar buzz films like do you think do you think they just tried to dump it having it, it so close to Christmas was, I think it could have been better if it was released in that period where it's like the Sundance movies are starting to come out so like March April like if it was early enough in the year then maybe there wouldn't been as, as much of like a you know hey fucking they did this trailer completely incorrectly and it's not at all what the movie's like that would have probably died down if it was released S- earlier see here's the thing though is that they thought this movie was they thought that this movie was going to be yeah. received differently than what it was. They, because from from what I gather from you guys, they thought this was an Oscar winning film. It well, yeah. Early reviews. I don't know if you guys. You talk about Rotten Tomatoes. I talk about Metacritic because that's what I use. Early reviews for this movie had it at sitting at an eighty six or eighty seven on Metacritic yeah. when the first wave of reviews came in. I think that's when which it probably was would have the, been probably would have been was at the festival. That was the right? film festival, right? And those are people who are a little bit more. I like a little bit more pretentious about their mm-hmm. films and you know a little bit right and then when it got released it fell all the way down to a 63 on Metacritic okay well, yeah. even when falling down that low it still ended up at like in the top 10 on the national film registry registry list of top 10 films of 2017 which I thought was shocking yeah but... so it, it so this is a, like this is a like a movie that is obviously um very polarizing um and I, I do think that they thought that they had something here that would qualify for an Oscar. So I don't think that there was. I think that releasing in December was dumb because that's Christmas and no one's going to see downsizing during Christmas time. Um, I think you release it in November or October. You know. Do you think people didn't go see downsizing because they're too busy staying home watching Bright on Netflix? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Phenomenal. <laughs> so, so let's get into the into the next stage of the plot uh, with us here. But before we do that, we're going to throw a quick word to our sponsors. So we just got done talking about the financials a little bit and the financial elements in the film as well play a major point because that's the real reason that it seems like most people decide to go forward with the downsizing, particularly Matt Damon's character, who we barely have mentioned the character's name, is Paul Sanfrenek, and we have to make sure we get that name right because it was very important to him in the film. And you didn't get it right. Yeah, I didn't get it right. (laughs) I don't think I did. What is it? Sanfrenek? Sanfrenek, yeah. Paul Sanfrenek, yeah. Um, I should just say it wrong every time just to stay in character with the rest of the extras. (laughs) Um, So Paul and his wife, Audrey, like, I also, I should mention, we do a bunch of time skips at the very beginning of this film. We see the scene, the beginning where they do the experiment, then we jump five years, and we find out that they're going to commercialize it, then we jump ten years, and we see Paul with his wife, and they decide due to, I think it was like their mortgage, like they wanted to like refinance mm-hmm. their mortgage or something like that, and the, the check bounced or whatever, yeah. so they decided like, oh, okay, we're not, we're not liquid enough to stay afloat up here, Let's go check this thing out. So they drive to, I think, like Santa Fe, New Mexico or something like that mm-hmm. to go check out the Leisureland pitch. And that's where we see Neil Patrick Harris and um, Laura Dern's characters, which is like such a 
that it was so funny that like those characters and like Sedakis, they were so prominent in the trailers and then they only have like one or two scenes and we never mm-hmm. see them again. Yeah. Cause Sedakis is really the one that kind of nudges Matt Damon yeah, towards to do doing it. it. Yeah. yeah. He, cause he says like, yeah, like, we go traveling around the world. You know, we don't have to worry about money. We live in this beautiful home. Um, and they just, that's when they decide to pull the trigger. Um, did I miss anything with that? Cause that's like kind well, of the whole lead no, up. I, I wanted to bring this up. I, it confuses me that that idea of your dollar goes further in Leisureland. It doesn't make any sense to me because wouldn't eventually enough, like really rich people downsize to go there. And eventually you just go back to being in the same class as like middle class and like well, over t- right and don't we kind of see we that because see we see like bit. christoph waltz's character with all these rich people throwing this party but then we also see when paul goes with uh nonglan um and you see like like the yeah but the, those the people came like, into this without any money like they they didn't have any money and they downsized and well then we don't became... necessarily know that well, that's what they were implying when when uh, Nocklan is like, I didn't come here with any money, so I had to start working here, and I figured that's what everyone else was doing. But well, the you know, we see like the promise of downsizing for the average person is to be able to live a life that is on a much grander scale, a lavish life. Yeah, than what you could do. Mm-hmm. So someone like Matt Damon who works for Omaha Steaks, who's never going to live <laughs> the... Like, what does he do? What does he do at Omaha Steaks again? He's, a, he's an uh, occupational therapist. Yep. Yeah. For Omaha I, Steaks. Okay, so. I, I, and they didn't explain that right away, so I just... I saw that he worked at Omaha Steaks, and then when he's telling his, his co-worker, he's like, you were right. Like, lifting up my, my monitor <laughs> did fix my back. And then he's, like, telling the other guy, like, bend your arm like this. I was like, why is this guy, like, oh. going around? Like, I, thought, I thought it was going to be... He studied to be, like, a physical therapist and had to drop out <laughs> right. like he did with med school and then he ended up just being a manager at, at omaha, omaha steaks no but instead instead he was just the physical therapist <laughs> for omaha steaks it'd so be bizarre. hilarious if he wasn't even the manager at omaha steaks he was just one of the like people in the line and like somebody yells at him like hey back to work stop yeah. talking about or he just does arm. he just doesn't even work there but every time he eats there he gets another polo shirt polo. <laughs> just wears it everywhere he goes that last steak was really good i want to make sure that you're in enough health where you can do another one <laughs> do you think that was where he was getting his takeout every time was always at omaha steak well i always thought omaha steak was just a brand steak, i didn't yeah, know it was like even a, a yeah, restaurant just like, oh, but he was i think he was it's I, funny because yeah, right. we actually because i watched this movie yesterday and i finished it today but i started it yesterday and we had omaha steaks yesterday last there you night go. so Excellent. nice so maybe the distributor at the restaurant he was are eating they good? had omaha steaks. they are are they good yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never, they're, they're I've never had one. Did Get you have the little, the little apple dessert thing too? <laughs> no, our only so sponsor good. is Simply Lemonade. Simply Lemonade. <laughs> um, so we've talked about a little bit about the discrepancy between Paul and Audrey because they go to the they go to the facility to go do the downsizing. Paul goes first. They're thinking they're going to go do it together, which you would imagine if they're doing it together. They would both go through with it. We wouldn't have this conflict, but of course he goes first. So she has, they leave each other and they're like, Oh, you'll see each other again in five hours. He goes through the shrinking process, which takes so little time. (laughs) 
the like the prep takes what seems like hours. Yeah. The actual shrinking procedure takes like seconds. Okay. And I so, love that every time they did it, it like dinged like a microwave. It was like yeah. Yeah. Was and then, like, the so you here's the one thing that bothered me about this movie. Okay. Yes. Shit right. on the movie. So here's the here's the one thing, and this is just kind of like a logistics kind of thing. So the very beginning of this movie, we see the guy put a mouse into the microwave thing and do it uh -huh. and yeah. it turns out this mouse is super duper small now we don't actually see this this small mouse but yeah we understand it okay i don't so prepping they took out the teeth and they took off all the hair Oh, it's well, not. No, it's not. They don't take out all your teeth. If there's any, like, if you have like fillings or any, like, no, metal they take out all the teeth. teeth. They redo I don't think your. I don't think it was all I, the teeth. It okay, was all so your teeth. it's kind of confusing because they show it as if they take out all the teeth, but then later on, where they're talking about the one person's husband, they yeah. say that they took the tooth out because of the filling. But I think they do take out all the teeth because if you notice oh, okay. when they're doing Matt Damon stuff, they have like a whole row of teeth. They on. take okay. out all the teeth. Well, that, yes, they take out all the teeth. They shave off all your hair. But the mouse is covered in hair. It's covered in hair. And I didn't see them take out the teeth. That was the yeah. only thing where That's I was good just point. like, the mouse had hair. That was Cameron's one problem with this movie. Imagine if in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, before they shrunk, they had to shave their heads and take out their <laughs> teeth. And then before we accidentally shrink ourselves, let's all shave each other. <laughs> yeah, that was the one thing where I was like, hmm. <laughs> um, It's just... um. I really thought the teeth. I, I don't want to stay on the teeth thing, but w what about the scene where uh, Nong Lan talks about the the elderly woman's husband Her that husband, died? Yeah. Didn't she say that he died because they had, had the gold, gold tooth, tooth? I thought and his head and his head exploded. Right, and I'm thinking that uh, I I'm thinking that it was less of a fact of like, oh, they forgot to take out that one specifically. I thought it was just that they forgot to take it. They, they, they just take forgot to teeth. take it out or something. Well, yeah. Well, that's because... a, that's another question I have for that. Is that just to piggyback on that? And you may answer it, Joel, on your point. Do we think the procedure is different for people that can afford it, like at a certain price, as opposed yeah. to people like uh, Knocklon and like all the people that she was living with in that building, where their procedure? Oh yeah, I'm probably, sure there's people probably getting knockoff versions of it. You know what I mean? Like, but how does like, I wonder how that happens because we never see that. We don't. There's a lot of stuff here though that doesn't really get explained. Like, do, like the people, like the guy, the dictator who is the human rights. He's like, all right, so we gotta shave off all their hair yeah. and take yeah. out all their teeth. Make sure they yeah. get, you know, the. <laughs> okay, you're small, but we're gonna take care of you before that. <laughs> yeah, the the person who did it to Knockland did it like against her will. So there's no way they did any precautions like <laughs> at all. Which, yeah. that's yeah. true. We do find out. The, which is a really, really interesting little like tidbit that we see after Paul goes through the shrinking process. We see the thing on TV when we first hear about Naklon, uh, where it's like, yeah, they there were 17 Vietnamese people hiding in a empty TV, TV box, box in a Target, and <laughs> most of them died in the box. Yeah, and then two, and then two of them died at the hospital. Only Naklon survives. We didn't talk about the scene where after they shrink, they go and pick them up with the spatulas. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> that's like hilarious. Like, like it was SpongeBob flipping that, Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, that's hilarious. And then I remember the shot where they, like, transfer them into, like, the the room where, like, all those people hit the button and they're, they're small and they look up at that one woman who, like, yeah, says yeah. hi to them and she's yeah. gigantic. Like, we don't get enough of that, like, of yeah. small people interacting with, like, the people who are normal size. Like, we get it in the beginning from the perspective of people who are big 
like talking to people who are small and we have that whole scene at the bar with that guy who's a super like prejudiced asshole yeah, where, where then, he's he that's where uh they throw a little bit of politics into it we're just like oh yeah. pe- small people don't deserve the same rights yeah. he's like one fifth maybe like stuff like that and <laughs> yeah. yeah but see that. that's the thing is that's what we were talking about it's like the first bit of the movie like delivers on the promise that the trailer made and then the rest of the movie just doesn't if more yeah. of the movie even if it followed the same story if i just had little bits and pieces here and there where i was getting more of that interaction between the small people and the normal people maybe this would have been a lot better yeah, Cameron, you made a weird face at me when I was making my point. Did you want to? I saw him do that too. Uh, I was just like, what because, the hell's happening? It's just because it's the same. It's just the same point, and it's just like, like I said, that's why you don't like the movie, and I can understand that. But that's one of the things I, I like. I don't think it was necessary. I think that someone, I think that a director could have done that, and I do think that the, I think that the movie that they would have gone, wouldn't have been as good. Like, I, I think that if the movie had focused on purely the downsizing bit, it would have worn off. Like, why is this movie still, like... Like, yeah, you have the novelty of it, but I think that's the same thing with the characters. The novelty of being small mm-hmm. wears off, you know? But I think that is that is obviously where we disagree because we've been saying it this whole time. But my whole point is that if they had made this movie into, like, an hour and a half long like science fiction comedy just about the concept of downsizing and explored that fully without going into such heavy-handed themes as environmentalism and the refugee stuff and all of that i think it would have been a much more palatable and enjoyable movie overall whereas i think this movie tries and in my opinion fails to deliver all this other stuff which is perfectly well, encapsulated in the character well that's exactly Nockland. i mean it's exactly what you said. This movie, the movie that you described, you say the movie tries to be something else. So the movie you described, the hour and a half, that's not what the movie wants to be. And I think that's it. But to be fair, that is the movie that was advertised. Yeah. So. And the movie that was advertised, I was excited for. So it's like, it's perfect, like a comparison. I'm curious um, to see. We should talk a little bit about what happens after he downsizes officially. Mm-hmm when Mm -hmm. he gets the phone call from his wife we get the perception during most of the lead up to that that she's on board except like when they're like doing like the going away party and she's talking to her friends and you see like she's gonna miss them a lot and then her dad comes to the thing he's like yeah your mother can't bear to be here but i support you and what you're doing it makes sense to me and then it just kind of flips when she's on the phone like i understand like the fear of like it happening in real time and you not really wanting to go through with it but it just kind of did it come out of nowhere not maybe not nowhere but did it come abruptly more i think i think the part of it that came abruptly was as a result of this her wanting a divorce from him yeah Mm -hmm. because it never seemed to me that they were unhappy in their marriage it seemed like they were living a very mundane life in omaha nebraska but it didn't seem like they were like at odds or like they were on the verge of having a divorce yeah uh like they were looking at new houses together so clearly and like they were they seemed like a very like functioning couple up until this point where like it seemed like they had a good rapport with each other and the fact that she like ends up skipping out on the whole procedure watching it the second time i could kind of see subtle things of like Kristen wiggs characters making these eyes of like ooh, and like on the rewatch that kind of enhanced my experience in a way but then still the way that she goes through with it like 
I get that it makes sense for the plot of the movie where we're trying to get this character so down on his luck that he's just trying to be content with his life. But I felt like it really put me out of the movie. It's like in a horror movie where a character makes a really illogical decision that never goes well for me in these kind of movies. And in this movie, not a horror movie, but a character makes a very odd decision of bouncing out at such a very inopportune time so that he, yeah. she totally screws over her husband yeah. and then wants a divorce because he went through with the procedure they agreed on. It doesn't really make much sense to me. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely don't think it came out of nowhere. Like I noticed a lot of hesitance, like you were saying, Kevin, I noticed these little like facial expressions and stuff that she made, but yeah, it was really like, obviously like after this point, we don't really, we don't see her character anymore, but it was super off putting that, like you said, it was, it wasn't like she did like, was like, Oh, I, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Like, l- let's talk about this before you go back there. Like, they like, never have that conversation. Yeah, let's really talk about this. You know, you can tell he's kind of the one like leading the ship on this, and she just kind of keeps like, yeah, yeah, yeah like, yeah, I'm. I'm but he also, it, he you also, know? when they go, he also says like, when they have the first meeting talking about the options, he says whatever, whatever's gonna make you happy, I'm mm-hmm. fine with. Right. So it's Which, just like there's, there's again I, part of his way of saying like, like. Well, I'm already set on this. Maybe she's not like whatever is whatever is going to make this work for you. Like, I want you to be happy as well, you know. But like you were saying, Kevin, it's just it's super off putting that she's just like, uh, yeah, screw you. Sorry, bud. Like he's already through the door, you know, and that's when she's deciding like, oh, like. This and then she me. wants the divorce. It's like, yeah. what? Yeah. like what the hell? I mean, we and see we're trying to play it off that like she's feeling guilty for what she right. did. And it's like, uh, OK. And we see what the effect it has on him because we do another time jump to another year later. He's not in the big mansion anymore. He's in like a small, well, not a small apartment, but he's in a small apartment that's small in terms of his other place. He's working a mundane job as a telemarketer, which they nailed telemarketers in this movie very well. <laughs> They're just pure disdain for yeah. their lives, especially the part where he's when talking he to the lady about the colors and. She's like, what is cyan? He's like, it's like a red, more like a brick color. Could you like, just pick a color? Yeah, pick a fucking, can we pick a fucking color, please? And she's like, how dare you talk to me like that? I like that. Part, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, and again, I'm not disagreeing to disagree. But the whole saying, like the whole divorce thing, I don't have an issue with it. Because here's the thing. Again, we're talking about their mundane life. And we're talking about Kristen Wiig and Matt Damon. And I think what it comes down to is that it wasn't a thing as if Kristen Wiig was like, hey, I don't want to do this because I'm scared to be small. I think it was more of a thing of, I don't want to do this because I'm going to be small with him. But that's never expressed but it's in the never, film. It's yeah, never, I, that's, I like a, that's like an interpretation you're getting, but I don't think the movie spelled it out enough. No, no, I, but again, I don't think it had, because... I, when I've been talking about this movie, I have been talking a lot of interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so I, and so, yes, you're right. The movie doesn't insinuate that. And I, maybe I'm just diving way too deep into this, but like, we also <laughs> have to, like, we also have to think, okay, well, like Matt Damon's character, like, obviously he was, you know, obviously upset with his wife, but maybe he wants to get, I know, you know, he's maybe hesitant to sign the papers, but anyone who signs, even when, you know, in the movie Her we talked about, they're both hesitant to sign the divorce papers. Um, even, you know, they're like, can we wait you should, when they're having dinner or whatever? And she's like, you can wait. It's like, well, we know that they're going to get divorced, but they both, you know, they're hesitant mm-hmm. to sign the divorce papers. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's, you know, maybe he wants a divorce too because, hey, here's this person who he thought obviously he was going to spend his life with. I mean, he was married to her, right? Mm-hmm. 
you know, why did he, he wouldn't have any reason to believe that she wasn't going to follow through with this, right? They had plans, they were going to do this, and now she completely abandons him mm-hmm. and breaks all forms of trust. I mean, this is not some small thing. The, <laughs> the, it, I mean, I guess it technically <laughs> is a small thing, right? He, but um, he literally changes his entire world mm-hmm. in the hopes that, you know, it could better their relationship. Yeah. I don't think, I, think, I, I don't, I don't sorry. think it's a relationship thing though. I think you can interpret it that way. And I'm really just trying to understand. I don't know if I'm fully understanding what you're saying, because I think we all agree that like when they actually sign the divorce papers, they probably both want the divorce because yeah, they, he, yeah, they, they can't live a life together anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think before that happens, I'm just try- I'm trying to piece together what you're saying cuz it sounds like maybe you were saying they both were maybe looking to separate before that. No, I think she I think she was I think that she was looking to she wasn't sold in the relationship. Cuz I'm and he with, was, I'm and he was trying to do what he could to keep her in there. And I know again this is way like yeah. I said this I, is I, I think it's okay I think it's okay to leave things up to interpretation. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is something that can be left up to and interpretation. My my understanding and correct me if I'm wrong Cameron, but I personally think that the way that we're disagreeing on this is that I think on paper her actions do make sense for where the story needs to put Matt Damon's character. Like plot-wise I get it, and they get to it in a way that makes logical sense in that, yes, she didn't go through with the procedure. He did. They can't live together anymore, so they have to divorce. That being said, I personally feel like this issue I have with the movie is is similar to some issues I have with many movies where I enjoy a movie where every character's motivations, actions, and decisions make logical sense for who they are as characters. And I feel like a lot of times, including in this movie with what Kristen Wiig decides to go through, her decision's illogical, where I don't get the logic behind it, and she kind of just goes off of emotions when everything that we saw leading up to it, they both seemed equally as excited and nervous about the procedure. I didn't see a discrepancy in their thing, and obviously Matt Damon ends up being the protagonist, but the fact that Kristen Wiig bounces out of it to get Matt Damon's character into the position he is, where he's so down on his luck and the rest of the plot goes on, I do agree with you. It makes sense, but... I, just I didn't w- get that in the movie. I just want to make point out it, it's very it's very um it makes sense that the person going to law school is like I don't understand how their emotions got in here only logic. <laughs> I I get that people can be an emotional character but we didn't get from Kristen Wiig's character that she was super emotional. Mm-hmm. Like it was a sudden outburst of emotion that she was like, "Oh my god, they just cut my hair off and my eyebrows" and like we didn't get that build up like I think that is inherently a flaw in the movie that the character development wasn't good enough that we would see this coming. The only time I saw it coming was when Matt Damon's character went in the lobby first, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, she's probably not going right. to go through with it. But it wasn't well, because of... They showed it in the trailer, too. They did, yeah. 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 Did yeah, they? That was... yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, they showed it in the trailer. Oh. oh, I didn't know. So it wasn't a surprise, but it, like how we got there was yeah. just kind of mm-hmm. like, really? Like, Within the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so cool. So move on to the Lau yeah yeah we don't yeah, we don't need to talk about her character anymore. There's really only two other characters of importance that come in from this point. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is Christoph Waltz's character uh, Dushan that we talked about before. Um, he's he's Paul's upstairs neighbor at their apartment complex, and he just throws these crazy parties. 
Like that's basically all his character is is throwing crazy parties. Like am I <laughs> is it was there like I don't really know what else that guy does besides I, did, just... I didn't understand like what his business is. Yeah. It's what? basically like smuggling in goods that won't get mm. that yeah, won't get right. downsized the yeah. normal way, you okay, know. That's what I so you take a Cuban cigar, it costs you $45. Oh, yeah. We can take one and turn it into 2000. And they yeah. all cost like seven dollars or something. Yeah, a dollar. Yeah, you charge for a dollar. Yeah, and so he's making two thousand dollars off of something that costs forty-five bucks. Mm-hmm. It's like the downsizing version of the black market, basically, yeah. is yeah. what he does. Yeah, um, and then yeah, yeah. And he's just got all these crazy people, and that's where we do have that funny scene where Damon gets drugged by some chick that we never see again in the movie. Yeah, um, that I was don't know. weird. It was weird. Like she doesn't talk to him. Um, all I'm she does is take like, off my shoes. Is she takes this, that. she takes right. this pill like out of her cleavage and goes mm-hmm. to give it to him. And he declines. He's like, I have allergies. I can't do it. So <laughs> See, she, that's like, that line. It's so funny. No, that's a good line. That whole, I like that scene, um, mm-hmm. at the party, but then she puts it on in her mouth and starts to walk. He was like, you know what? I will do it. <laughs> he just, she kisses him to transfer the drug over to him. And then he just gets, he's just knocked out crazy the entire rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's important because he wakes up the next morning on the floor of just Sean's apartment. And that's when we first meet, uh, uh that's when we meet Naklan, who's our, essentially our female lead in the film. Cause she's part of the cleaning service that is cleaning his apartment. And he recognizes her as the Vietnamese stowaway mm-hmm. from the news because she has a prosthetic leg and she kind of walks with a bit of a limp. And because he's a physical therapist, he knows that he can help her a little bit to fix her leg up. He does a bad job at that, which we find out later. He because he, he let his I think he says like he let his license expire, so he's mm-hmm. not really as apt in the field anymore. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how our two main characters meet, and then we really just spend the rest of the then the rest of the film is essentially their journey together as like him trying to help her but in actuality she's really helping him so it it's an interesting concept that we get with those two characters what do we think you guys can talk about either of those characters Naklan or uh deshaun who are really like the two people that push paul into this new lifestyle he's heading towards what do we think about those characters you can talk about either one you want i think um, chow did great i i actually really like Naklan, or is it Naklan or Naklan? Naklan. Naklan. i i I enjoyed her character actually. Um, yeah, she was probably my favorite part of the movie. I, would I agree. think not just the performance, uh, but the character herself and kind of her motives and just the person that she was was a really enjoyable character for me. And I, I, it was sort of a not really a saving grace because, like I said, I'm still really on the fence with how I feel about this movie. But the direction that it was going to see her character and who she was was refreshing, and I enjoyed that. I agree. Yeah, she brings another element to the movie that we didn't have. So, to me, I think my opinion of hating this movie is kind of intrinsic to my opinion about Hong Chao's performance as Nakhlan Tran. I will give it to Hong Chao that I think she acts the shit out of this movie. And, like, the scene where she is crying to Dushan and conrad and matt damon's character about getting the chance to go to norway i thought that was a great scene and really brought the emotion to me and i want to preface this i don't know if this is like a taboo thing to say i felt like hong chow's performance was very 
stereotypical and I felt very uncomfortable by the accent that she chose to go with throughout the whole movie and you know I when I saw it in theaters when she started talking in the movie I was like whoa like I was kind of blown aback by that because I wasn't expecting to go so much in that direction with it and don't get me wrong I do for the most part agree that I think she does the best performance but I wasn't able to enjoy it as much because I felt like people were laughing at most of the things she was saying when it was in the movie and I was looking around at that I'm like this feels like people are laughing at a very like stereotypical Asian. Yeah, person they weren't. In the movie. They weren't laughing at what she was saying. They were laughing at how she was saying it. Yeah, and that made me uncomfortable. And yeah. it still didn't go away when I was watching it by myself on my laptop for this rewatch. Like I still felt that tinge of like, is this okay for her to be doing? And I remember at the time going back to like look at interviews she gave to see what her real accent was, and I was like, okay, so she's doing this fake accent, and I know about her from the interviews, her story of her parents and herself mm -hmm. being real Vietnamese refugees. But I just, I remember seeing the, the interview and she gave a very normalized, like American English accent, I think. And when she gave this performance and had that specific accent, it made me uncomfortable. Although I still will agree with Joelle that I think she is the best character and best performance in the movie. I still think that that's muted to me just because of that part of it does that make sense yeah absolutely i think it's a it's a very you know it's a very fine line because like you were saying there were times where it definitely felt very over the top and almost like like it was trying to be comical you know mm -hmm. um because i think obviously it makes sense that her character is going to have an accent you know she's supposed to be playing this vietnamese refugee right um so it's understandable that she's going to have an accent of some sort because it would be odd if they're like oh this vietnamese you know refugee and she comes and she's you know speaking like you said i, I went she's like the exact hi same i thing. am not yeah. <laughs> i went and looked up an interview because i was like oh i want to know what she actually sounds like um but i think there were times where it went too far and what i'm curious about is if it was 100 percent her or if she was asked to do sort that of do it even more because that's where a lot of problems lie and that's where i think the line starts to get pushed a lot is if the director's saying well well can you can you push it a little bit further sorry mm -hmm. can you sound a little bit more you know you know ethnic or whatever it may be yeah. then that's when you're starting to push that threshold of like this isn't okay anymore you know if the mm -hmm. actor says hey you know i'm thinking this character is going to have this accent and she would sound like this and that's what the the actor comes to and the director you know can agree on it in a way then perfect but i think when the director starts pushing and saying hey, it just doesn't sound Vietnamese enough for me. I really need you to just go to the edge. Then you're starting to kind of push the envelope a little bit. So exactly. I'm curious if it was if it was all her or if Alexander Payne kind of you know pushed her to take a little bit further because like you said, there were times where it just felt almost like it was trying to be comedic with how she was speaking. And I, I agree, it was a little bit distracting at times. I hope that's not the case because – if for him to tell a Vietnamese amputee that you're not playing a Vietnamese amp amputee well enough is kind of she's not really an amputee, I don't think. No, she is. She is. Really? Yeah, I'm looking at her. I'm looking at her IMDb right now. She's. What? Uh, I thought that was CG. Oh wait, no, oh I said. Oh, wait, no, no, I, I had that. Like, I had I that wrong. So. <laughs> no, that, no, that's Ryan's a like. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I can't believe they cut off her leg for nope, the movie. That, that's the wrong. That's the wrong note. <laughs> He's like, well, the the sentiment still stands that a real yeah, and not, real. and this isn't me saying that I think Alexander Payne would do that, but that's an issue that a lot of 
people run into and specifically from interviews <laughs> that I've seen specifically like the Asian community um, sometimes you know the Hispanic community as well is it's like oh well can you sound more Mexican you know yeah. it's like well like okay like I this is how I feel the character would sound like I I know what's what it my, like for the Filipino community like, you know? <laughs> yeah you're asking me right <laughs> yeah um, you know and and I think like I said that's I don't have an issue with the character who is you know, born and raised in America to put on an accent for a character. I think that's understandable and it helps mm-hmm. portray the character in a more realistic way. But once the director or the producer or anyone starts to sort of push it past the comfort level of the actor and mm-hmm. maybe to the point of where it's almost, you know, like, again, comedic as opposed to feeling realistic, then that's when you start getting a little bit too yeah. far. And, and I don't think this performance is like Mickey Rooney levels in a uh, breakfast Breakfast at tiffany's Tiffany's. like Mm. no this isn't that horrendous and offensive but it still gave me that icky feeling i think in the first time and a little bit less so in the second time but still had that vibe what do we think about what they have the character do in the film because after she's introduced and um she really she really starts to like develop a not really a friendship but like a work relationship because uh Paul has to help her with all of her duties because he broke her prosthetic foot. Because mm-hmm. um, this is really like them just doing random tasks for a little bit until we get to the point where they're getting on the boat to Norway. So, like, right. do we think that anything that's happening in there is that compelling outside of him, her? Just, she's the, I guess, the vehicle that shows him, like, you know, not everything is perfect mm-hmm. once you do the downsizing so i guess that's really like her role in the film i think more of the role for me was her showing him you can serve a purpose still Mm. you know it it was less about like oh look this world is just like the regular world it was more of a fact that like cameron was saying he's always been looking for this hole to fulfill like i i want to serve a purpose i want to be able to be somebody like he even says it later on when they're going to go do the you know going down the whole thing he's like Mm -hmm. i have the chance to actually be something and do something Mm -hmm when he's not realizing this whole time she was showing him that you know he's helping feed these people Mm -hmm. he's helping make this this dying woman feel comfortable because she's getting this medication and this treatment and you know he sees all these people and you know the the rundown areas and he's helping them have a better life and he's not realizing it because he's trying too hard to search for this this bigger thing and again she's helping without him knowing it he's she's showing him that he can still serve a purpose in some other way and a very important purpose to some people. And I do want to say that I actually think, Ryan, to your question of is this section compelling, I actually think this is my favorite section of the movie because yeah. to me the best part is is Hung Chao and Matt Damon's chemistry in the movie. I like, agree. As much as I had issue with her portrayal and those icky feelings I had, I think their chemistry is palpable and it's a yeah. really interesting Absolutely. dynamic they have. And that whole section of, you know, he breaks her prosthetic foot, so he has to go and help. And then Christoph Waltz laughing in his face when he has to wear, like, the the, the cleaner's cleaning. outfit. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. And that whole bit was amazing. And then when they start the journey to Norway, I'm like, okay, now you lost me. The rest of the movie I don't really enjoy as much as that part. Yeah, because that's when it kind of transitions from, like, them just being friends and helping each other because to now there's, like, a romantic interest mixed in between mm-hmm. the two of them. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, I don't really know if the – I don't think you really need the romance element to that. They could just be friends that are helping people. Yeah. Like, they don't have to be in a relationship. Because at that point, I believe they'd only known each other for, like, two weeks. And he's already, like, I'm 
Uh, should we talk about the funny line that she says? Well, hold up. Before uh, you come do that, just to touch on what you're saying, I think going yeah. back to something that Cameron kind of mentioned earlier to show his character arc and, and the way he's changed, not to jump ahead here, but later on when he says, oh, I'm going to do this, and he's basically leaving her behind, he realizes, like, I don't want to make this mistake again. You know, like, do I really want to do this again? And having mm. that be sort of a romantic relationship mirrors what he was going through mm -hmm. with audrey point. in the beginning you That's know so if they were just friends like like no offense but it would be different mm -hmm. to be like sorry ryan like see ya. i'm gonna go do this thing and never see you again as opposed to like hey sam sorry i'm gonna go do this and never see you again you know what i mean like it, it's yeah different. ryan you would have left you in a heartbeat right yeah i think as quick as it was i think the reasoning for them getting into more of a romantic relationship is to mirror that because he essentially goes through the same experience twice, just two different scenarios and different no, people. That's, that's a good point. Um, and I do just want to say, since we kind of skipped over him, I think the amount of time we've spent talking about Christoph Waltz's character is pretty telling, not yeah. to the extent that I think it was a bad performance. Cause obviously I love Christoph Waltz and pretty much everything he's ever done. And I think this performance doesn't deviate from that. I just think it's such a, you know, pretty much just a comedic relief character mm -hmm. and not much yeah. else. Like he doesn't have to do anything with this role. And it's fun hearing Christoph Waltz say things because he's a funny guy to hear yeah. talk, you know, that's yeah. just how it is. Well, he's there to show that rich people will still be judgmental of yeah. poor. There's still, there's still, there's still, there's still, there's still a rich people be judgmental. There's still a cast system exactly. of sorts. Yeah. Um, so let's talk. Let's get into the the journey to Norway because that's kind of that's kind of the the cap on this film to begin with. It's kind of where it, it doves off to the end here. Um, they get on the boat with um, Conrad, who's again a sea captain. It's very important. <laughs> um, it's He's him. never been to Lake Titicaca. No, never. <laughs> and he mentions it multiple times. My favorite um, lake. <laughs> so they're gonna go see Doctor Jorgen as Borsen. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. S. Borson, who's the scientist that shrinks himself and, himself and starts the colony after the process works on the mouse very early on. That's who we see. They're going to go see him because uh, Dusan and Conrad have been pulled over to talk about like how there's issues with the environment. And they want to bring Paul along because they see that Paul's floundering right now. And they're like, he'd be, he'd be a good extra hand. They're trying to go just the three of them, but Naklon tells them, and that's where we have the emotional scene of her crying. Um, she tells them, like, you know, I was invited to go see him um, because of her survival in the television box and all that. He told her, um, you know, this wasn't what the process, it wasn't supposed to cause pain like it did to you. And I'm sorry if you ever want to come to Norway, come visit. So the four of them decide, let's just go. We're going to go see him. Um and then abruptly, the, uh, Paul wakes up one morning, and Jorgen and his wife are just on the boat already. Like, <laughs> yeah, just kind of, very strange. Like, yeah, that was yeah I didn't, I didn't get that. Like, I, I, I think he sees like another boat passing by, maybe, mm -hmm. but I don't. It's just really because they're just sitting like on the deck, like mm -hmm. at a table, the four of them. It's really weird. Um, and that's when we find out that the methane leak in Alaska, which is touched on very briefly earlier on in the film, has gotten so problematic that it's going to wipe out human existence on the planet. All the homo sapiens. Yeah, and I'm all, pretty all. sure it was Antarctica, not yeah, Alaska. Yeah, I was say not Alaska. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that he's one. Like, he's like, yeah, the A1. Yeah, Argentina. 
There was a, a, a methane leak in Armenia. I mean, I Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> oh um, yeah. There probably is one in Alabama. <laughs> um, but, uh, so yeah, he basically tells them that, like, you know, humankind is doomed um, and there's nothing we can do to save them. Um, which is a very dark turn that we go mm-hmm. in in this film. Yeah. Like, and it's just like, oh, okay, so he's... Anyway, here's Plan C. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, here's Wonderwall. Um, I don't like where they brought that character because it felt like he was a very legitimate scientist at the beginning who invented this huge Mm -hmm. thing. And by the end, he basically just becomes a cult leader. And it felt very off from... Obviously, the character is such a non-entity pretty much for the beginning of the movie. Like He just introduces the idea. But from what I gathered of him at the beginning, he seemed like a legitimate... like well-intentioned scientist who just devolves into a cult leader and it wasn't really explained it was just basically like okay the world's come to an end we have this cult here and we're gonna go inside of a mountain you know it doesn't really get brought up before yeah and they they've built something uh in in their bubble called the vault which they've been it seems like that they've been prepping it for years now knowing that this was going to happen they have full vegetation livestock they said, did they give a timestamp on how long they they could survive down there? I don't remember if they said that or not. Um, uh, I don't know if they did. 8,000 years, I thought, is what they were. 8, oh, 000? yeah, you're right, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they've clearly got this mapped out. So, clearly, he knew about this issue for quite a while. Um, maybe even the point of trying to make this work with downsizing people was because he knew this issue was coming. But like he says, only 3% of the world's population have downsized so far. So, it's too late um, at that point for them to save the planet um and that's really where the 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 conflict comes in with paul that we've touched on a little bit he wants to go join them because that's where he feels like he can make his only stance as like helping people is like this is the this is the future of the human race and we need to go with them and he wants Naklan to go with him but she says no um and she calls him i think he says he's stupid and crazy and all that stuff she calls him stupid multiple times i support i support her opinion that he's yeah stupid. it's it's a stupid it's a stupid idea like um he doesn't know anything about this vault and he doesn't know anything about this this society that they just showed up in and all all right away he's just like i'm gonna go with them it's just it's just a lot it's along the lines of the things we've talked about already where this he just doesn't think this through he wants so bad to again not to go back to this, but he wants to fulfill a purpose. He's so asphyxiated on like little Ronnie earlier in the movie, who's the first baby <laughs> yeah. that was, Which was born so as gross when person. they added him in again later. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, it was. Disgusting. You know, and, and it seems like like you know he saw him. He's like, oh my god, you're little Ronnie. Like you were the first baby. Like let me get a picture. Like he has like this celebrity status, and I feel like with this second opportunity where you know, oh, I can be one of the first people to go into the vault. Like. He wants it to be this situation where he kind of becomes not necessarily that that next little Ronnie, but he wants to be part of the next big thing because for him, he's trying so hard to have this huge sort of like presence and, and impact on the world. Yeah, it, I don't know. It just seems off to me. The choice. It there. was it was very off, and they introduced this one like weird like Norwegian lady character who's <laughs> such a yeah. such an annoyance. Like purely from the standpoint of introducing the plot element of the vault, I understand it, but she was yeah. so annoying. Like I I had a dream. Like, I had a dream about you. You were a horse, and I rode <laughs> you into the promised land. <laughs> I was like, what is happening anymore? Like it felt. 
I haven't even seen this movie, but it felt very midsummer to me. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but that's just the vibe I got. Good movie. I, mm. I imagine it is, but I've never seen it. So. It's one of the 24 movies made. Uh, that was pretty good thank you no that was good nice job by you you. well i want to hear cameron what what do you think of just the ending of this movie in general about like them going to norway and basically showing this guy become a cult leader and him being so enveloped by it um honestly i don't have an issue with it i mean it it makes sense honestly um i think it's a natural progression for the science to you have a community and they're the first of this thing and obviously they're going to i mean you see it with any culture they they become their own you know subculture right they become yeah. their own community and they you know they live a certain way and it becomes their life and um they have the beliefs obviously they're scientists this is what you talked about earlier you're like well why would they you know why would their answer be to grow small so we already know that they're you know they go to the extreme to solve issues that might not be an issue for a long time right when mm-hmm. he say oh you know we got we got to go do this now because the methane stuff you know he's cry- like he's this guy is sad about something that's going to happen in 200 300 mm-hmm. years you know so they're like oh well why is he sad this morning he's like oh didn't you hear about the methane well this is something that we talked about a long time ago so it's not like it's a you know so for me it doesn't um necessary i'm not i don't necessarily have an issue with i i again i if i had to pick a weak part of the movie it would be you know it would be the ending you know and Mm -hmm. it would be this part um i just i don't because like i said i think that the beginning is brilliant and i think that this part thematically makes sense um and i think that it does work um it's just maybe not as good as the rest of the movie, but I still think it's good. Like I said, I'd give this movie like an eight out of ten. Uh, well, that's the part that I would mark down a little bit. Yeah. Well, that would that would kind of lead into the next part of our episode because we're about done with the plot here. Once he decides to not go into the vault because he wants to be with uh, Naklan, um, we just kind of end there. We see one scene with them back in the bubble, and they like he they deliver food and stuff um, to some of the people they're helping before. But that's essentially how the movie ends um, right there. And Cameron, you said the ending is your least favorite part. Is that, um, is that the, uh, what am I trying to say here? Is, is that the part that you would want to change if you could fix one thing in this movie? And would you consider it a love fuck? <laughs> or a pity fuck? What are all the, or, what were what, the seven types of fuck again? It was eight, but I don't remember. Was it eight? What kind okay. of fuck? So uh, it was love fuck, hate fuck, pity fuck. Friend fuck. No, like buddy fuck was one of them. Yeah. yeah revenge fuck. Um, uh, breakup, makeup. Yeah, breakup fuck, makeup fuck. I think that was all of them, right? Well, fuck. Wow. Well, fuck. That's well put. Well, fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a love. It was a love fuck. Do we need to give any context to that, or should we just let it ride? No, they can no, watch just, the movie. They yeah. let it ride. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Um, uh, but Cameron, like I was saying, is there is the ending the part that you would try and clean up? Um, or do you think it's fine as is? Well, because here's the thing: is that if I were to change the ending, um, the theme of the movie would be different, right? Uh, okay. The director had something he wanted to say, and to say it and to do it, he had to do it in the way that he did. 
I so I would say I wouldn't really change much about this movie because I think if you were to change something it wouldn't be the I I it I think that the movie for it to work in the way that it wants to it can't change anything because I believe that the movie is exactly the vision that the director had while making it right. um you know when we talk whether about, you whether you agree with that vision or not yeah it is, it's okay, clear that, that it's, it's clear that kevin doesn't agree uh with me on this and that i understand with but i, I but do, I do think, understand your perspective i just yeah, want to point that out yeah no exactly and i i completely understand why audiences did not like this movie i i get it this is not a movie that i go what how could anyone like i look at la la land i'm like how could anyone not like this movie it doesn't make like this is a we movie almost made it <laughs> this is a this is a movie I, I i completely understand why people don't like it um but i wouldn't necessarily change anything about it kevin what about you since you're on the opposite spectrum do you think there's anything you could do to salvage this movie or do you think it's just it doesn't work well as i brought up earlier i do think this concept was misapplied to the themes and what the plot of what alexander payne wanted it like Alexander Payne, if he wanted to get this theme and point across, he didn't have to include anything about downsizing, like, or the main concept that is interesting about the movie. Like, if this movie were, as I said, like an hour and a half long science fiction, you know, early Woody Allen, well, we don't have to mention Woody Allen, but basically, like, (laughs) no, uh, basically, if it were just like a half an hour long, interesting science fiction comedy starring Matt Damon going through wacky adventures as a small person, uh that would be <laughs> that would be interesting it's a to tv me. And, show well yeah and i just don't see the thing is is that i don't like the themes that he was going for with the concept that he applied it so i feel like intrinsically i do agree with cameron that there isn't really much you can change about it but i view it from the complete opposite spectrum which is that this isn't salvageable because alexander payne wanted a very specific vision for it he succeeded and I didn't really like the vision he was going for. And that's, you know, that's in filmmaking, I feel like that's bound to happen. You know, there's probably somebody that hates every single movie ever made, even like Shawshank Redemption, which is probably a perfect Yeah, he's movie. on this he's Some, on this podcast. Oh my god. <laughs> Who Cameron do we have to talk about Shawshank Redemption? Cameron. No, he's just saying I hate every movie. Oh, okay. Well that's the I, first time I've ever said that. It's the other one of us that says that about you all the yeah, time. I, I so. say that all the time. <laughs> I, just I like think, this movie. <laughs> so that's the thing is that I personally didn't enjoy this movie. And if I had to salvage it, I would be making it a completely different movie. So I'd rather just accept that it's a movie that's not for me. Yeah, I would agree with what your sentiments on that, Kevin. I just think that's I think there I would probably we'll get we'll get into this. I would probably do what Cameron did and maybe watch it another time to see. Um, if maybe I pick up on things, maybe I like it a little bit more, but as it stands after one viewing, it's just, it's a movie that I don't appreciate for what it is. That's just, that's just how I feel about it. Um, and and, and there will be plenty of people that feel the opposite and agree with Cameron, but just for me particularly, I wouldn't change anything and just respect that it's not a movie for me. And just for the record real quick, I've seen multiple movies that we've been talking about twice now, and this is the only one I've changed my opinion on. Uh, from the first time watching it no, so that's a good that's interesting now everybody's wondering and this is where we're going to answer this question Ooh. joel you've been on the fence this entire time for this film i want to see one if there's anything that you would change to make it better and i think this is the right time for us to find out where you lean after this conversation 
so and you can take us into the refund element as well okay so i'm telling you i'm gonna tell you right now i'm not gonna give very I'm, this is gonna be a very satisfying uh, answer for anybody i i agree with kevin i think my biggest issue is that score the <laughs> that the hold on hold on i think the biggest issue is that it kind of sets this you know precedent for us that it's going to be this movie about these people living their life as small people and it doesn't deliver on that we barely get any of that and it misses the mark with that that being said everything else about the film is pretty good the 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 story itself maybe the the way it gets to certain points aren't great but I think the performance between Matt Damon, which I agree with Cameron, was pretty solid. Um, and then Hong Chao's performance, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And sort of his character arc of realizing, hey, like, I am making an impact. Maybe not the way that I'm thinking, but I'm still someone who's making a difference in the world. I think that's great. And I think it's very strong. I just think it was kind of dampened by the fact that we were promised one thing and not given that. And so for me... I lean a little bit more towards being let down simply because of the fact that, again, we were promised something that I feel like we didn't get. I would have loved this movie probably if it wasn't set in this whole, like, small people thing. If this was just a film that took place in the real world under different circumstances, but he still had this story and this character arc, I'm sure I would have loved it. But the fact that they felt like they had to place it in this sort of, you know, small universe thing, it just didn't do anything for me, and it feels like it takes away from what was a fun concept i'm gonna add what was the movie ticket for here so it was nine dollars uh nine dollars total refund here i will take 450 back i'm gonna go right in the middle oh my because gosh. I, i'm just i it's i can't pick either side because like i said it it didn't promise for me that or it didn't fulfill that promise of the small you know miniature thing but like cameron said there's a lot of really good stuff here and i think the, the film itself at its base level is a good film it just it wasn't what I hoped it was going to be. Oh, I think that's a fair enough point. Cameron, I don't think you have a lot you need to say in terms of this. I'm just going to guess you don't want to take any. You don't want any money back, right? Yeah, so I, I, I'm not going to ask for a refund and be like, hey, I should bring a friend to see this movie. Yeah. I'm going to buy another ticket. <laughs> yeah, you'll pay for their <laughs> ticket. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, because, you know, honestly, that's what I think. I do think that this movie is one that, okay, yeah, I'll see you a second time kind of thing. Because uh, I got a lot more from it the second time. So, right. yeah. No, that's fair enough. Um, I think that I'm not going to ask for the full refund because I think I would give this another chance. Cameron did sell me a little bit on maybe watching it a second time. I'll give it a little bit of time before I do that, but I would check this out a second time. So I would ask for $6 with two-thirds of my money back here. Um, And then, Kevin, as our guest, we ask you, how much of your money would you like back? So I do want to reiterate that on this rewatch, I found – more interesting things than when I first watched it in theaters. But I also equate that to the fact that I was with other people and maybe their experiences and what mm-hmm. they felt affected me. That being said, I, unlike Joel and Ryan being fancy fencertons here, I am going to get a full <laughs> refund. I, I didn't want to watch this movie ever again, but for this podcast, I was like, you know what, let's give it a shot. And then now that we've done this and it was a lot of fun, I never need to watch this movie again. So <laughs> that's how Kevin's gonna talk to the jury. He's like, "All right, don't be fancy fencer tins." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hey, I, and I feel so bad, like just staying right on the fence. But it's like, I don't know. I feel like that just completely sums up how I feel about the movie. You do that for most movies, though, when we do the refunds. Yeah, that's true. 
yeah, yeah. he's like that's just kind of your style has there ever um, been a movie that all three of you wanted a full refund? There's been a yes. couple. Yeah, been so a I, I've got that up here right now, actually. So cool. Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. We were all <laughs> full refunds. Um, and then... Didn't we do it for After uh, Earth? And, no, After Earth. Uh, surprise, surprise. You were the one that didn't ask for the full refund. Yeah. Mm. Um, the only <laughs> other one we went full refund on was our last episode, Aloha. We all asked for yeah, our yeah. feedback. So this um, movie's better than Aloha, subjectively, based off of that like rating system. Uh, you oh, mean objectively? Yeah. yeah. Objectively. Yeah, I would well, agree. Sorry, sorry. Oh, my God. What kind of lawyer did I hire? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not there yet. Uh, <laughs> he'll learn. Um, so with that in mind, that is the downsizing episode. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us to discuss this film. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah. This was probably our most interesting conversation we've had so far in terms of a movie scope as a whole. Mm-hmm. We covered a lot of great things, so thank you for that. Uh, before you go, um, just let the people know, is there anywhere we can find you, anything you got going on? I know you mentioned you're about to go to law school, but I don't think you want everybody knowing about what you got going on there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, personally, I don't have any, like, you know, my name is Kevin Barlow. If you want to check me out on Facebook, add me as a friend, you know? I'm not doing any, like, cool content like you guys. I will say, though, I told my girlfriend, Kelly, that I would do this. I'm living up to my word. If you want to follow her on Instagram, at Kevin and Kel, you know, she's a lot cooler than Aww. I am, and you'll probably have more fun there so there that's that heaven was... and kel not kevin and kel. yeah not kevin <laughs> and kel we don't share an account i'm not a crazy person <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah check kevin out and check kelly out um on instagram and all the Hi, socials kelly. Um, before we go um we do this new thing now where we recommend a film for people to go check out kevin if you have one maybe a movie that you've seen recently or that you know is streaming somewhere that people mm-hmm. you recommend people watch if you got one throw it at us Hell yeah, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I nice. really loved that movie. I saw it last week, and I'm actually really interested to like check it out again like this soon after. Of course, the late, great Chadwick Boseman yeah. probably gives his best performance ever, which is so tragic that it's the last one we'll ever see him in. And it's he is going to get the Oscar, and rightfully so, regardless of circumstance. He gave a phenomenal performance, and I loved it start to finish. No, definitely. That's definitely a good one to check out. Um, Cameron, do you have something to recommend for everybody? Ooh, I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna choose a television show. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh wait, fine. is it WandaVision? No, it's oh, not. Which you, everybody so should watch. WandaVision. Yeah, everyone should you be watching should. that. Um, so I'm actually going to say, and it's technically is three seasons long, uh, and you can watch all three seasons because they're very good. Um, but the, I'm gonna recommend specifically the first season because each season's standalone. Essentially, I think I know what you're gonna say here. Uh, we've, we've talked about this before. Oh really? Uh, Broadchurch. Yep, we talked about this like last week. You and me. Yeah. <laughs> <Kim> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, you gotta check out Broadchurch. I mean, this is a British television at, it, not just British television, television at its finest. Uh, the performances by David Tennant, Olivia Coleman, are just absolute top notch. Um, <laughs> they made an American remake of uh, Broadchurch called Grace Point and I watched the trailer with my family and it felt like an SNL uh, parody. Um, <laughs> like, And it wasn't like that just goes to show how insane the quality is of Broadchurch. It, um, you know it's it really is top top notch. Uh, you know it's eight episodes each episode's 40 minutes so it's like a long movie. Um but, you know, no one's doing anything these days, so check it out. <laughs> um, my recommendation is not only am I going to pick a movie, um, it's going to be a very short movie. Um, maybe, maybe a lot of people haven't heard of this. There is a 37-minute mockumentary film called John Bronco. 
um, which is starring Walton Goggins mm. as the titular uh, John Bronco. So, yeah, it's just you hear about the Ford Bronco car, but it's like a satire telling of the beginnings of that car. And then obviously it's very famous vehicle, of course, with O.J. Simpson and many other reasons. But that's making a being comeback normal. now. It is it? making it's... a comeback. And that's yeah. why they released yeah. the movie, because it's like a, almost like a little promotion for them, too. But it's a fun little film. Thirty seven minutes without credits. It's about a half hour. So it's like watching a TV show. Go check it out. See a fun performance by Walton Goggins. Um, Joel, do you have something for us? Yeah, I'm going to go a documentary route this week uh, with a documentary that kind of inspires me and I really enjoy. Supersize me. Yes. Um, so supersize. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, go check out on Disney Plus Free Solo. Fantastic documentary. Oh, oh yeah. I freaking Hell yeah. love yeah. Free Solo. I could watch I saw free. I saw that on the IMAX. It was so great. I regret I never saw it in theaters. Yeah. I was so I, happy yeah, I, I saw it in the IMAX. <laughs> My um, but, cousin is a rock climber, and he has considered doing stuff like that. And after watching terrifying. the documentary, I was like, dude, you have kids. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, Please it's no. terrifying. Please yeah, it's a fantastic documentary. Um, have some tissues ready because every time I watch it, my palms just start sweating profusely. Yeah, so it's, yeah it's absolutely. <laughs> You're just. I remember sitting in the theater watching just squirming in my chair the whole time. <laughs> that movie time. is fantastic. It but, is. Speaking of movies, maybe not the fantastic kind, it is Cameron's turn oh, to wrap man. up the month of February, our – romance style month okay camera what do you have for us here all right so kill me because this might not be actually romance i I, i'm thinking of it as in it kind of is (laughs) i have not seen this movie uh i have heard this movie is is terrible i believe it came out 2019 beginning of 2019 january Mm. matthew mcconaughey Anne Hathaway. Oh, yes. Yes. Serenity. Yes. This was on my list. So I have zero clue what this movie is about. I've heard it is absolutely insane. I I know what this is about. I've never heard of it. I can't wait for this one. And (laughs) I really want to watch it. So um, it's kind of a romance, right? Matthew McConaughey is like. I I don't even want to say anything. (laughs) So we're going to go with Serenity. Awesome. I love that pick. People That'll who don't be... know what you're talking about are like, you're talking about the Firefly movie? Come That's on. what, yeah. Right. That confuses yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. No, that, that movie can't be on here. That movie's fun. Um, all right. So we've got Serenity on tap for next week. Um, that wraps up our episode here. As always, you can find us at Refund Pod on Instagram and all of our socials. Um, and also check out our podcast on all of your podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Thank you all so much. Specifically, thank you to Kevin for joining us this week. Woo-hoo! Hope everybody, we hope everybody enjoyed this episode of the I Like Refund podcast, and we will see you next week. Bye.